Hey, Ling, frequencies are open. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Clear Skies, our tabletop RPG of Star Trek adventures with the Streampunks, who I miss terribly, but who are beautiful. I get to look at their faces on this screen, and it's kind of it's kind of nice because it's it's a little awkward when I stare at them at the table for prolonged periods of time, and now they don't know which one I'm staring at. So this this is this is a weirdo's dream come true, and I I I just wanted to 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 acknowledge that. <clears throat> now that things are not awkward, we can go ahead and kicking, kick into gear uh, our pre-show. Uh, I hope everyone's been staying healthy and safe out there. I hope everyone's been having a good time uh, being isolated and fighting off the brain demons. Um, we all have. It's been a lot of fun. And one of the medicines of this aspect is a good game night. So I'm really happy to be gaming with you guys tonight. It's good to see everybody. Um, before we jump into tonight's game, uh, just only a couple of announcements. Uh, the big one is that next week, next Monday, um, we are going to be taking that night off. Um, so Clear Skies will be gone, will be going down, will be dark next Monday night, but we will be back the following week. So it's just one night off uh, from the game, and then we'll be jumping back into our story. Um, there will be a plenty of stuff to check out on the League of Whimsy Discord um, for anybody who is interested in role-playing still while the things are going on. Not that you guys have slowed down. By the way, crew uh, and Rave, you might find this interesting. 29,000 RP messages. Oh, uh, in, on Friday night, I read through the 150 crew logs that I had missed out on because I was <laughs> taking a step back for a few days. Um, and I was gone literally for like a week and like, yeah. 150 crew logs lots of really good poetry out there y'all are really generating some interesting content and i love it <laughs> um before we jump into tonight's game is there any announcements does anybody have anything that they need to share with everybody anything that's going on yeah i have a few so uh yeah. i'm starting tomorrow at 4 p.m I'm playing through one of my favorite games of all time, The Curse of Monkey Island. It's a point-and-click adventure nice. game. I'm playing the remastered version on my Twitch channel over at twitch.tv slash Xanderific with two R's and one F. Uh, and then on Q Times on Wednesday... On Wednesday from 5 to 7, uh, it'll be our episode 3 of Denver Denver by Night. Ooh. Ooh I'm a vampire. <laughs> I'm not a I wear a hat. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Uh, and and keep a lookout on my socials because I'm working on a big mashup. Like, yeah. If you thought the other one was ambitious, <laughs> do you see what I'm working on that's taking all my brain? The swearing yeah. is even more colorful on this one. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> ah! yeah, I'm saying a lot of words. Xander gets to hear them all. We're fine. <laughs> We're all fine here. <laughs> um, I yeah. What's up, Bucky? Uh, so I am going to be doing a troubleshooting uh, stream at some point this week, probably Wednesday, where I'm going to attempt to play a game on the system that I have and see what my uh, technical uh, range is. Uh, I will have more information about that. Uh, but then, of course, always, uh, as always on Fridays at 1 p.m. PT, we have Aki Talkies and Tea, uh, which is the chance I have to chat with all of y'all. Um, and... Uh, uh, Eric announced uh, today during his stream that Rave, Sam, and I will be playing in a, a yet undis an undisclosed game at some point in the very near future, and more information about that will be coming down the pipeline soon. 
Uh, but yeah, look forward to that because the three of us are going to get into shenanigans with uh, Eric at some point soon. So. Yes, indeed. Um, so we'll give you guys more information when that comes up as well. Um, for me this weekend, uh, I don't know if you guys heard, but any Star Trek Online fans out there, they just announced double XP for the next three freaking weeks. Uh, yeah, I knew that would please you, Xander. Um, so you just you got a, I, I just got a new computer that can actually play it because okay. my other computer would crash anytime I opened anything. Okay, so this is pertinent because the reason why I'm bringing it up is because I'm inviting any stream punks who want to come play. And because uh, this is a time you will, ex your character rockets through the levels on Double XP Weekend. So like if you have been wanting to get into STO or you've been wanting to really like juice up a captain you have been neglecting, this is the time to do it. Uh, it starts this Friday. I'm sorry, they do what the captains? Juice up the captain. Um, that that's something that uh, Azri should no, be familiar no, no, no. with. I, 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 I don't want to know. Just please, please continue. Hey, you're the one with the ties to the Orion Syndicate. Just put him like, on the juicer. You, you should know. know all about juicing. Um, I mean, look, look. I mean, Azri's built like Zarya, so Azri's been juicing. Azri's been juicing. Azri's a juicer. Owen has left the chat. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, my other announcement, of course, was is that uh, coming down the pipe in the next few weeks, you might hear about a new game that uh, we're going to be running as a bit of sort of like a mini game, depending on how things work out, that uh, we're putting together with uh, Rave and Sam and Aki. So stay tuned for that. We'll have more information. And um, <clears throat> that's it for me, I think, unless there's any other announcements. Wait, Gina's got an announcement. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, everybody. Gina has an announcement. Hold on. I have an announcement, and it's not any family member's birthdays. <laughs> Ah. Um, this time around, since we won't be here next week for me to announce it a little bit closer to the day, um, on the 30th in the morning around 9.30 or 8, I can't remember how early the stream is, but um, uh, I'm going to be a, a guest uh, on Second Breakfast with Sage Ryan on the SideQuest channel, uh, the SideQuest Twitch channel. So um, I have no idea what we're going to be doing yet, but I'm <laughs> sure it's going to be silly and weird and fun, and, and we just get to sit and chat. And, and, and I'm sure some of you have seen their 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 show there, and that's um, it's great. And I, they just had Erica Firmino on there recently and stuff. So um, check me out um, on the 30th there. We'll blow that up. So when, when 30th gets near, we'll make sure everybody knows that Gina's going to be on there. So we can go and, and bug Gina. That'll be fun. Thank um, you. <laughs> also, real quick, for anybody that this is bugging, I, I do know the background fell down. I'll adjust it. it We're going to fix be it. Fine. It's going to be great. <laughs> if you wanted to see what Xander's room looked like. <laughs> um, all right, unless there's anything else. All right, then I guess we'll get into it. No, I'm just kidding. What's up, Sam? <laughs> well, unlike Gina, I do have a family member's birthday to announce in that Yay. my best friend's birthday is tomorrow. Really? Eric Campbell's birthday is tomorrow, and he was trying to rogue through that. Well, guess what? We got too much perception check for you, son. <laughs> uh, so because we are all remote and audio sync is a nightmare uh could i perhaps have your proxies and just take this one um and and not foist it on the bards <laughs> <laughs> happy birthday to you 
Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Eric. Happy birthday to everyone. Yeah, pour that thread out. Pour it out for a buddy. Thank you. So everybody, tomorrow is the day that we disintegrate Eric's Twitter. Have fun. Happy birthday, Eric. Thank you. I'm turning 40. It's pretty surreal. This birthday doesn't count. Don't worry. It's next year. Right. right. I'm still 33. I don't know where the year has gone. (laughs) Well, now that I have all of my threat tokens out as a birthday present to myself, uh, why don't we go ahead and jump into tonight's episode of Clear Skies? Welcome back, everybody. We are ready to jump into tonight's episode of Clear Skies, and let's go ahead and do a quick recap of what happened last episode. And I do mean quick, um, because last episode was sort of a prolonged engagement of the original first contact mission. Upon arriving at Jadaran Planet um, to make first contact with the Dishashia, the crew of the USS Ross began to uncover a bit of a mystery when a Tholian dreadnought made its appearance known um, having mastic signature near one of the polar, uh, one near one of the poles of Jashashia planet, the planet itself. Now, the Jashashian people, this planet Jadaran that they live on, is about the size of Saturn, so it is a huge planet. It is quite large, um, and the Tholians were able to use this to their advantage. They seem to be just lurking up in that northern area of the pole, and the arrival of the Ross kind of roused their curiosity. They moved in close, and this kind of set off a chain reaction of discovering that some of the events that have been taking place in the system to the Jashashian people were kind of, they were strange, but they couldn't quite explain it, mostly because the technology levels between the Tholians and the Jashashians are so significantly different that the Jashashians were just working with what they had. They had no reason to suspect that a Tholian dreadnought had taken one of their comets that typically orbits in system and had redirected it towards their planet in order to smash this comet into the surface to break the crust just enough to allow the escape of what would appear to be an emerging new life form, specifically 
a crystalline entity. Um, this thing has been lurking under the surface of Jadaran for who knows how long, but the Shashian people have been reporting tremors for the past uh, past few months. Um, it's also worth noting that all life on that side of the planet has all but vanished, even down to the microbial level, which is further kind of pointing at the fact that there is a life form that has probably been drawing upon the nutrients of this world as it has grown under the surface. Um, the Shashian people have also noted that as well. Um, most of the civilization of the Shashian people is actually delegated to the other hemisphere, the other side of the world. Um, curiously enough, they've been able to grow their entire civilization on the polar opposite side of where this anomaly has been taking place, which upon further examination might suggest that this has been going on for some time. It doesn't, there's no time to really investigate how long this entity has been gestating underneath the surface of the planet. Instead, there is a time crunch right now. Through some pretty skillful uh, diplomatic manipulations and negotiations, Olin and Captain Azarisal have managed to convince the Tholians to trust the Federation one last time. Now, the Tholians, upon encountering the USS Ross, immediately accused you guys of being murderers. Somehow, the Tholians know about the death of the first crystalline entity, which, as you know, was destroyed 13 years ago by a renegade scientist on board the USS Enterprise D. Somehow the Tholians knew that that happened um, and became incredibly defensive and threatening when you guys had arrived and have been very protective of the entity itself. They are trying to free it from the surface of the world. You managed to strike a deal with them in which uh, <laughs> you're a good doctor using an interactive, uh, using an interactive a holographic display linked directly to the tactical station was essentially able to use the ship's onboard phasers, something like a scalpel. It's been done before um, by Federation starships, but on this level is pretty unique. However, the refined process of the new technology aboard the Ross allowed you guys to free up enough of the crust of the planet to get the effect without having to use the comet. In other words, used a scalpel instead of a hammer, and it seems to have paid off. The Tholians, interestingly enough, ever alien in their thinking, ever alien in their ways, one moment they seem to be incredibly threatening, and the next moment they seem to be somewhat rational and willing to help. They actually helped the USS Ross pull the comet away from the planet. What their rationale behind this was, either it was a show of good faith, or maybe they have new plans, it's hard to say with Tholians. But for whatever reason, they have cooperated. However, the clock is ticking. When this crystalline entity is born, it is going to require a food source, the same way a calf goes straight for the mother's uh, milk after it's born. This crystalline entity is likely going to try to destroy any life that it can find on a planet, which means the Jashashian race is currently under threat by this thing. Now, we're picking up tonight where we left off, which is where the USS Ross had dispatched multiple probes into deep space in a desperate attempt to try to find any kind of class planet that is supporting life. You're looking for a class L or a class M planet. Class L obviously being the most preferable right now because that is strictly plant life, no animal life on board uh, that planet. Um, but you are, um, this is gonna start with an extended task tonight that we're going to, that's going to be uh, a long scene of extended task, basically, a timed extended task. Um, it is worth noting too, that I'm applying a couple of traits to this extended task. Uh, the first one is that um, 
this task is taking place in largely unexplored space. And so I'm adding that as a trait, which leads to the second trait, which is needle in a haystack. You guys are trying to find a world that can feed this entity when it's born and its birth is imminent. Right now, you guys have an estimated six hours before this thing emerges from the surface of the planet. Um, six hours to search nearby star systems in hopes that there is life growing on them. It's not impossible, but I'm about to illustrate to you how challenging this is going to be through the stats of the extended task, which I'm revising from last week. So get ready here. Um, this is what you guys are up against. Ready? <clears throat> the extended task stats. And this is largely going to be Lakat, Dr. Yada, and Chief Tech, along um, with everybody else is going to be involved. But this, you three, the three of them are going to be the most pertinent in this search. Um, the base difficulty is going to be four. The resistance is only one. However, the magnitude is five. That's not the scary part. The scary part is you have 11 intervals. Each interval uh, basically counts for about 30 minutes or so. So, and, then and the amount the of work, amount? work track is 25. So, so real quick, just to clarify for you, um, for those of you watching at home, the work track sounds horrifying, but the good thing, here's the thing about the work track. The work track is actually not important. The work track actually helps you. What you want more than any, work track is not important. What the work track is good for is trying to land, um, what you want is to destroy the magnitude. That's all important. The work track goes into like adding so that you're never making wasted rolls. And if you get five or more successes, that gets added to the work track and gives you a breakthrough. What you want more than anything is breakthroughs. The work track is background noise and it helps if you're not getting all the breakthroughs you need, you still get add-ups. But the goal should never be to fill the work track. That's just, that's, that is sidebar. The goal should be to kill the hell out of the magnitude rating. Once you bring the magnitude to zero, you win. <laughs> The work track will help you. So focus on that magnitude and getting rid of that resistance. The work track will help, but don't get intimidated by a 25. 25 means you've got a lot of space to just add on and chalk up work to try to bring it down and bring it down. It is going to be challenging because 25 is quite a bit, obviously, but focus on the magnitude and you should be okay. The scariest part of this task are the intervals. It is a timed task. And that is cutting it really, really close. It's gonna make every role very significant. So the way intervals work for anybody who needs a quick reminder is every time you attempt a task on an extended task, that's two intervals of time. So using momentum to make it, spending momentum to bring it down to one interval of time, or if you have a trait that will give you extra bonuses um, or like Vicious does on damage, um, there's like an engineering trait that'll give you the same thing on work track. That always helps, but there are ways to cut through the resistance and to, uh, reduce the amount of intervals taken. Now I should warn you complications mean a plus one time to your interval. So if you make a roll and you roll a complication, um, then it can add plus one. So if a normal interval is two intervals, a normal interval, it's a normal task is two intervals of time. 
You roll a complication, it now becomes three intervals of time. So it gets tricky. I just want to double check from my notes from last week. We have four momentum currently, is that correct? I believe so. And um, off the top of this game, I'm going to go ahead um, because uh, before we got went live tonight, Gina was nice enough to do a recap for Rave, and I would like to award the party one bonus momentum right now. Oh, thanks. No, thank you. Um, thanks for catching our scientist up. So, um, so start with five momentum. Um, the probes have been launched. They were programmed and launched, and the clock has begun. The Tholian Dreadnought is hovering in orbit right now, about 20,000 kilometers away from the USS Ross. Intimidating, but beautiful. That blue sort of iridescent metallic, almost like butterfly uh, beetle shell glow to this, model, this like tech looking hull that kind of lines this spike that's floating in space, this rotating yellow glowing web that just kind of circles around the body of the Dreadnought. Um, the Tholians are being very quiet, but they are they're clearly monitoring the situation. They're, it's very ominous. The USS Ross is set to work and the Tholians have agreed to give you the time you need. But when that thing is born, it's safe to say the Tholians will probably attempt to allow the crystal entity, the crystalline entity to feed on the population. If the USS Ross is planning on intervening, you've got a fight on your hands. So the clock is ticking. Let's begin tonight's game. We'll start at the top with the the roles having the the you've sent out the probes. So why don't we start at the top with Rave and Yada as the first line of intervals start coming back. So on this first roll, mm -hmm. Rave, um, you're going to be taking lead, and Yada is going to be assisting. Great, love it. Um, and so. Are we so we've just sent the probes out and now we're getting back the first wave of information from those probes, correct? Correct. Great. Um, um I uh and, and Yada is assisting me. Okay, great. Ooh. I'd love to roll for that. And Okay, so this is actually quite simple. All you need to roll is your reason science check. Now you are gonna be assisted um by the USS Ross here. Great. Um, and if I remember correctly, Captain the probes actually do they not reduce or do they not count as an asset here so they should reduce the difficulty of this task by one correct so four should drop to three which is um what's up Sam? Right. further i would put to you that in finding the needle in the haystack one can exclude a certain number of intrinsically inappropriate stacks. Stacks around stars that run much too hot, that run much too cold. We can rule out a fair number uh, by Goldilocks, especially using the modular laboratories that we configured for stellar emissions at the beginning of this adventure. Uh, that will itself also count as an advantage. So in that case, I would say um, mm -hmm. you're probably, I'm guessing the people that are probably setting that up are chief tech setting up the modular laboratories right now. Um, oh, those were set at the top, so they should be up and running by now. Right, I'm just narratively, I'm incorporating that into like, uh, right. into this particular check. Um, so I tell you what, I'll have that apply to the second round. Okay. Because by the second round, you'll have accumulated the data, you'll have begun the accumulation of data that you were discussing just now, Captain. And I would say that's when that asset would apply. 
Um, as of right now, the difficulty is set at three. So go ahead and right. make your reason science check with an assist from the Ross. Who would like to roll for the Ross? Who would like to roll for the USS Ross? Okay. Aki, All right, Aki. So whoever wants, this is whoever the thing. Xander is the only one who currently has the sheet aside from Sam. So it's exactly. actually easier if Xander does it. Okay. So Xander, um, this is going to be a sensor for you. This is going to be a sensors engineering check because this is information coming back from the probe itself. Um, okay. And Yada okay. is going to make their roll. Go ahead. See what you can And Lacat, take an extra die. Spend a momentum and get a third die. Yes, please. Also, keep please. in mind, there is a resistance of one. Don't forget there is a resistance of one on this task. It may not necessarily be enough that you want to spend to get rid of, but there is a resistance of one. So tell me what you get. Um, and for, for extended tasks, do focuses count as well? Yes. Great. Can I use my focus of xenobiology or sensors? Uh, sensors, yeah. Great. Love it. Um, and then, then in that case, whew, four successes, my friends. Four? Yeah, for me. We, because I, I get three dice, right? Because I spent one momentum. Yeah. Yeah, four. Okay, so four successes. Um, and what did the Ross get? None from Ross. None from Ross. We got one from Yada. So five total successes. All right, so then you're going to gain back uh, some bonus momentum there. Um, so the task was four, dropped to three. You rolled five total, so you get back two momentum. Now you're going to roll them challenge dice. So Great. love it. It's going to be two. Xander, remind me, it's two challenge dice plus your skill. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. Great. So your science skill. So I'll so be Lacat, your science skill dice. is that five. Okay. Yeah. Now, uh, um, so. Resistance is going to come into play here, just so you know. Okay, yeah, sounds great. All right, so what'd you get? Okay, um, so we are taking those two out because those don't count as anything. That's one, two, three, four. You can spend five, a momentum six, seven, to selectively reroll. If oh, you want to reroll I mean, the, the blank. So ones. I got nine so far. You can. You should reroll though, because we've got yeah. lots of then, momentum. Uh, we can spend for resistance, yeah, let's, let's and you get one I'll more success. Will be a dice, ten. That'll be two breakthroughs. Let's yeah. do you it. rolled nine on seven dice. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit! I rolled a shit ton of twos. <laughs> you, guys, you guys are you guys are really starting to give the Sally Ride a run for her money right now. <laughs> um, and this counts as a one point, right? One momentum to get past resistance. If you want to re-roll, uh, just like dice, I believe it's two. Isn't that correct? No, I think she uh, was asking what points were, which were what yeah, points. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I re-rolled the two dice that I that yielded nothing in the first round and I got one six and that six that's six one, point, one right. point correct that's correct okay then ten and then we can spend another momentum for piercing that goes through that resistance of one getting the full ten making two breakthroughs yes so we'll be down to a total of four momentum now for the reroll uh plus mm -hmm. the uh piercing and that will give us two breakthroughs love it two all right so that's let's see that's going to be one interval uh, we didn't spend for it, so it should be two intervals, unless we want to spend momentum oh, to make sorry. it one, which I strongly recommend. Yes, we should. Yeah. So yes, we are we down should. to three momentum. Uh, one interval will have elapsed, and two breakthroughs bringing magnitude from five down to three. All right, so how much work did you do total? You said 10? 10. Not bad. And then uh, you rolled an automatic five. Yeah. Okay, so you've got two breakthroughs right now. Okay, great. 
All right. So this is the first 30 minutes of work. <laughs> Do the science. Woo. This is literally the first 30 minutes of like you and Yada working in stellar cartography. And uh, Yada I feel is... like we're really on the same brain, uh, uh, wavelength after doing bingo night together. I think that, like, <laughs> this is why this is my canonical reason why we work so well together at this point. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. You and Yada <laughs> managed, I would say you and Yada have managed to banter a little bit. You've managed yeah. to sort of kind of give help each other relax a little bit, which has been very helpful. <laughs> um, uh, it's it's made it a little easier for you guys to uh, to sort of like find that that stress free zone where you're focused on the work and you're not feeling the pressure of what you guys are doing. Um, it's mm -hmm. definitely helped the two of you. Um, right now, you are in stellar cartography, which is not far from Deck Thirteen, where he's at in uh, Cetitian Ops. And currently, you are being—you are kind of talking to each other over a holographic projection of each other using XEO's hollow emitters. Um, and so, in front of you, this life-size image of Yada is floating as a hologram as you're in stellar cartography. And in Yada's area inside a Cetacean Ops, you're walking on the bottom of this this huge Cetacean Ops Center um, near the galaxy map is the two of you are literally just like looking at data that's coming back from these multiple probes and trying to find the ones that matter the most, that are returning the most promising data. You guys managed to uh, find about 26 possible candidate systems that could be boasting planets that have life, which is significant. Um, however, I'm going to spin threats and I'm going to, uh, as we move into the next scene, two of your probes do not report back. They they are lost in space. No! You guys lose contact with them. Um, My babies! It's possible because of the Shackleton Expanse and the spatial anomalies that are present here, but two of the probes do not report back. Um, not that that's necessarily gonna complicate things here, but it is going to narrow options as you guys move forward. Okay. So. They are claimed by deep space. In that thirty minutes of time, Yada and uh, Yada and our science officer are just—you guys are deep in into the data, swiping through, looking at all the readouts. Um, for the next thirty minutes, what is everyone else doing? Do you want to get into what Tech is doing next? Yeah, whoever wants to take a scene. You've got thirty minutes right now, but if you're if you're contributing, whatnot, because the next scene is going to be taking the data that they've been getting back. And I'm probably going to throw that to somebody else who is going to be doing their part for this extended task. So if if you'd like me to be the next part for the extended task, do you want me to, to save that? Sure. No, you can do it now if you want to. Okay. Yeah. So uh, because I'm getting this data back coming in from Laquette and from, from Yada, uh, Tech has sort of um, barricaded himself up in one of the modular laboratories okay. uh, and sort of uh, full-on like bullion caving it uh, and because <laughs> this problem now is not uh, there's this population that's being threatened it is now there is something that's being born that needs to be fed and so tech's other instincts are sort of taking over and I sort I have values that actually come into play here things like the universe is meant to be tasted so I'm switching the way that I'm thinking about these 26 candidates 
and trying to find the best possible like nutritional value as well as like taste and sustainability and all these different things from being a super taster. Food, <laughs> glorious food. Exactly. Kind of applying your philosophy. Okay, so at one point as you're sifting through all of this, reading up on what the crystalline entity requires, crystalline entity literally just destroys and devours it seems it's an energy beam that just literally annihilates all organic life that it touches. Um, <laughs> what you discover looking through some of the logs um, is uh, some pretty interesting findings that actually might help you guys dramatically, as well as probably solve a possible ethical conundrum that you might be running into by guiding a crystalline entity to a planet with life. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Helping you uh, doing this, Incendari, of course, is helping you. Incendari has also uh, brought along with them um, uh, Chief Petty Officer Rachel Carter, who is a human Vulcan uh, data analyst who has been helping her like put together a bunch of the information. She brings them in, introduces you to her, and just uh, uh, introduces you to them. And they, as well as Dari, they the three of you are kind of like sifting through all of this data. Um, at one point, Rachel, they look up at you and they just say, uh, sir, I think I might have something that 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 could be something. Um, well, that and sounds hands very hands you a data. Oh, thank you, Chief Carter. Um, reviewing the data pad of the twenty six systems you have found, what you're discovering is that a lot of the sensors that have been thrown back from these probes are actually what they're picking up is the presence of organic. Uh, what they're picking up is the presence of water. Um, which isn't necessarily conclusive, mm -hmm. but it's, it's entirely possible that be, uh, obviously because it has water that those planets could support life. But at this mm -hmm. distance, you're not getting enough of a refined readout to actually determine whether or not the water is actually create if the atmosphere of the planet is actually supporting life. You're, but the sensors are picking up the presence of water, which is a good thing. So much, Chief Carter. Actually, would you do me a favor and uh, make sure this gets to Cetacean Ops? I think Dr. Yada is going to be even more help in this department. Uh, they nod to you and say, uh, yes, sir, and immediately turn and dash out the door. Um, Dari looks up at you and just says, they're pretty good. We should um, maybe give them a review or something after this is over. I think... Everyone's gonna need some reviewing after this is over. We got a big ethical dilemma in front of us. Are you ready for this, Ensign? Well, if I can be honest, sir, no. I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm hoping the captain knows what to do. I'm. My biggest fear is that we find a planet that has some kind of pre-industrial civilization growing on it, and then what do we do? Ensign. It's great to have faith in the captain and all, but it's great to have faith in yourself. And I know that when the time comes, you will know what to do. And that's why you're here. Right, you're right, you're right. Thank you, yes, you're right. Um, and almost a beat later, they, their eyes kind of go wide and they go, actually, Chief, Actually, uh, I don't think this is going to be as ugly as I thought it was going to be. And they swivel around this desk data pad in front of you, and you see uh, reports of the first attacks of the crystalline entity on the colonies. Mm. It doesn't look like it actually needs to devour that much, 
what you notice is, is the devastation is complete. Um, a few square miles of the surface just completely wiped free. But when you take that and compare that to the ratio of an entire planet's surface, maybe a baby won't need that much. Chief Tech to Commander Axio. Go for Axio. How's the cave? <laughs> Doing well, thanks. Uh, Ensign Dari here found some inf interesting information that I think might help. Uh, it'll be transferred right over. Thank you. Ah, I see. Interesting. Mm. That's good to know. <laughs> Much smaller plate. <laughs> exactly. More and how's your right? task? We're well. We're getting along. Uh, we've 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 come across these uh, twenty six candidates. Most of it's just based on some water data. So uh, Dr. Yad is taking a look at it in Cetacean Ops, and uh, this is this is sort of where we're at. Sounds like a good place to start. I'll relay all the information to the captain, and also, good luck, you two. Thank you, Commander. Well done, Ensign. Dari kind of straightens her uniform and you can see her react positively when the commander acknowledges her and she just kind of okay it's the little things it's the little things that count everything counts right now what's everybody else doing while this is happening over the next half hour so i'm assuming we've already did the surgery with the crust and the scalpel um that is actually to I would actually say that is to come because okay. we haven't actually rolled for that yet. Yeah, that's so what I, I was say, confused from the recap. Okay. Yeah, I might say, I might actually, um, because that's I've actually- I've been practicing, that's what I've been doing. <laughs> I've been in the med lab practicing, making sure like going through different scenarios with the hologram. Like if I, yeah. if we cut a little to the left or a little to the right, will it cause a disturbance among the earth, the planet's crust, that type of thing. So I've been running scenarios. Okay, so uh, McCrell, I'll tell you this doctor, that your role is going to be part of the extended task. So um, the closer we get to the actual um, emergence of the crystalline entity, that's when you're going to have to start doing your work. Yes. I'm just, I'm just practicing. We're not actually turning on the phasers. Um, so actually down, <laughs> you are directly linked to the tactical station and Prawl is actually going over your data as you're kind of looking at this virtual display and practicing on a simulation in front of you. Um, McCrell, it is not easy. I mean, no. these are shipboard weapons, even though they, the, the great thing about phasers is they fire with incredible precision. And it is excellent that they have the range they do to be able to uh, hit the surface of the planet from your level of orbit. Prawl is doing what he can from his tactical station to help align the phaser array to what you need but the two of you are clearly having to practice together because he is getting, <laughs> you hear more than a couple of times the trill on the other side. Um, you can hear coming through the communications just going, God damn it. Yes. Like, now, for, for this, uh, we're using the phasers not as a weapon, but to bring life. So we cannot mess this up, okay? <laughs> this would be bad. Um, we're going to try again, uh, but this time, a mm, little less angry. 
you hear a sigh. Negative energy when you when you are about to uh, bring life into the world. I always do. Would you like some tea? I will bring you some tea. Prawl is good. It'll help you relax. Macrell, you catch the telltale sign of what looks like a small muscle underneath the surface of the skin, near the jawline, flexing, clenching, and unclenching as Prawl is listening to you. Um, after you finish, he just goes, no, thank you, doctor. I'm fine. No, we'll do it again. Okay, here we do. And then um, you hear him mutter under his breath. He just says, I was never a good sharpshooter. Oh, give me, give me a I have good hearing here. <laughs> I heard you. You know what? Uh, I would not, I, there's no one that I, uh, there's no one that I trust more than you when it comes to our protection and security, okay? So let's protect the baby. Understood, Doctor, yes. Okay. Ready to try One again. Time and make sure the phaser is a little less um, wide. <laughs> okay, Doctor. Um, can make a few <laughs> alignment adjustments. Um, it looks like uh, he gets, actually, you hear a chirping sound a few moments later, Chief Tech, mm -hmm. and you hear, this is Lieutenant Commander Prawl, Chief Tech. Go for Tech. Prawl, uh, the doctor and I are going to be using the main phaser array to try to cut the surface of the planet, as you know. The problem is, is that I need more power to the beam, but I need the beam to be, well, thinner. Is there any way we can do that so that we're being a little more precise on what we need? The fault line is very fragile. Maybe I could modulate the output so that it sort of creates a lens effect. It sort of focuses the beam and makes it more intense, but smaller in a sense. Yes, we need it to be, uh, um, put it in a math term, not obtuse, but acute. To further help you with that, Chief, I just need the weapon settings to be adjusted so that we we're not trying to damage shields or hull. It just needs to damage rocks, so it can be somewhat weaker. You have wiggle room. I'm actually going to put Chief Singh on this. If you could contact Chief Singh, uh, I'm going to be sort of taking uh, helm over here in the modular labs. Uh, understood. Lieutenant Commander Prawl, the Chief Singh. Go for Singh. Chief, I need... <laughs> I need some help with the phasers. We need to remodulate these so that they are in a thinner beam, but I need the same level of intensity, just enough to cut through bedrock. Is that possible? Chief Singh, are you there? Yes, sorry, uh, I'm, I'm checking with, uh, sorry, I'm checking with a few of our, our weapons operators. Uh, operators, uh, Lieutenant Commander, uh, just give me one second. This is uh, something of an unusual request, but we can do this. Uh, just one moment, please. And you see Prawl. It's okay, Chief, take your time. It's, yes. important, it's important that we get this right. So just take your time and forget the fact that there's a Tholian Dreadnought bearing down on us right now. I'm going to make you some tea. <laughs> You'll like it. My okay, yes. recipe. Uh, doctor, uh, Doctor, Lieutenant Commander, I, I, I think we can do this. Um, it's going to take a little bit of time, but I, I, I think we can do this relatively simply. Uh, when, when, when is our hard deadline? When is your hard deadline? Uh, Prawl kind of exhales and says, just as soon as you can get it. 
as soon as possible. Make your deadline as soon as possible. And then just check in with me and tell me where you're at. If you can't complete the task on time, it's not a big deal, chief. I'll use what we've got, just do your best. And understood, sing out. Prawl gets back on the comm with you, doctor, and just says, all right, um, let's just keep going with what we've got. Yes, the key is to make the phaser small but mighty, you know? Small and mighty. Mighty enough to cut through where it needs to go, but not big enough to cause earthquake. Oh, All right. right. We'll do it again. <laughs> <laughs> um, sitting up at the con, um, swiveling back in the chair, you see Vryn looks back at you, Commander, and says, Commander, I'm following a possible course adjustment in the Tholian Dreadnought. It looks like in they're moving... Looks like they're actually moving to a higher orbit, Commander. Doesn't look like they're actually moving away. They're distancing themselves a little bit more from us, but it looks like they're going into a higher orbit. Probably giving us some room. Or angling to hit us from above. You well, let's shrug. not say that out loud at this particular moment. I'm going to advise that we keep in mind that we have currently a deal. Keep an eye on them, but remember that they are probably just moving out of the way so that the baby comes out and inevitably eats us, and we don't let that happen. Right. Yeah. I like that last part in particular, Commander. That last part's where I, well, that's what I live for. Okay. Great. Make it your mantra right now. Not going to let that happen. Turns back to the turns back to the helm. Um, now, I, I, can I actually try something? Sure. I've never tried this. I've never tried this before. But I need to stay in the captain's seat, and I need to keep doing my captainly duties. But there are several people doing very stressful things around my ship that I cannot check on physically. So um, I, uh, I would just—is there a? Can I sort of duplicate myself with the opacity turned way down? You can, but I'm going to rule that um, splitting your program like that is going to restrict your ways of interacting. So that's one... fine. I, it's literally to observe how their stress levels are doing for one moment, like a pop in at low opacity. Great, they don't look too bad, like that sort of thing. I don't need to interact with them. I don't need to. It is a base level program check-in. Sure. So my my restriction on that will be you can totally do that. Um, but right. your but Exio your 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 construct on the bridge will not be able to see or hear. You can you can basically pull yourself out of the captain's chair and look at what's going on in there and then beam yourself over and look at what's going on over there. Um, but you're going to have to give up your senses. It's like astral projection in that regard. You're basically popping in and using your program to just check in with somebody. But um, I would say you would have to give up one of your senses. Only so one of them. Can, All right. Yeah, well, so that's interesting. Hear, I lost both that time, but I would like to be able to hear here and see there. Let's okay. try that. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, Tech, you guys are going through data that's coming in from Lakat and Yada, and the two of you are just combing through all of these lines of code. Um, and as the two of you are scrolling through it, um, <laughs> Dari looks up from her data pad and she goes, if we could just find like a good force, oh, <laughs> and as you see the form of Exio smile and fade from view, as she just thumbs up, <laughs> double thumbs up as she fades from view, and she and Dar just goes, "Ooh, whoa. that's causing more stress than anything." And Dari kind of giggles and just goes, oh. 
that was great. <laughs> Picks up another data pad and hands you the next one. <laughs> Exio makes a mental note. It breaks the tension sometimes, and other times I need to recalculate to appear behind them and then appear. <laughs> um, you appear so... if you you appear before me, and I destroy the planet with a scalpel. Um, You're not connected yet, and I appear behind everyone else from henceforward. Um, yeah. So you can appear uh, in in uh, Cetacean Ops or Astral or uh, the uh, forgetting the name of it. Astrometrics. Astrometrics. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> so you can appear in, uh, in Cetacean Ops or Astrometrics. Which one would you prefer to appear in? Or you can do both. You want to make a pop in on both. Um. Who's on the, the, the first one you said? Who's, who's uh, there? Ops is Dr. Yada, who's yeah, currently working I, with the team. Okay. I thought you said somewhere else. Oh, uh, Citation Ops and Astrometrics, because because LeCat and Dr. Yada are working together, but they're yeah. not in the same areas of the ship. Oh, I was unaware. I thought that they yeah. were, I thought I thought um, LeCat was in the tank with Dr. Yada last time, but. Um, oh, um, that's where they got started, but now they're doing remote work using No tools. problem. Um, mm -hmm. Then I will check on LeCat. Um, uh, and yeah, this is this is me, basically me just practicing um, testing out the ho uh, hollow emitters and checking on my 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 little baby. <laughs> um, okay, so I would love for you, Exio, to tell me what LeCat sees and how, and I then I would also like to know LeCat how LeCat yeah. reacts. Um, well, I can tell you what you see when you like beam, like the first thing you see with LaCat, especially if LaCat is working remotely right now, like she definitely has headphones in. She's so focused on like these 26 suitors for this baby. Um, and it's probably Orwell is like running laps around her, um, like <laughs> keeping a nice like, I'm going to say two foot radius around her. So like no one can enter, but then also you've got this added um distancing thing of the headphones um all right um <clears throat> i do not appear within the chambers you um have a very paranoid reactionary uh, uh reflexes shall we say i i've noticed them in action and i i know that i cannot be hurt but i do not particularly want to be swiped at in any way because i know you focus very intently when it comes to science and you also swipe um as well does orwell um, I don't want to appear directly in front of you as I previously spooked Chief Tech, and um, I'm now learning. <laughs> so um, I appear just at the door and then enter. But you, uh, you see, you, like I enter through the door, like I don't need to open the door. So as, to, as a courtesy, I enter the door and um, you sort of see a very low opacity um, Exio. Um, she doesn't say anything. <laughs> um, uh, do you speak sign language? Just ask do, me. I, I, uh, I do not. Um, I think okay. that LeCat's attention is drawn to you because, not because she hears you enter, but because she sees Orwell stop and look at you. And LeCat's Perfect. like, what stopped your orbit? Looks at you and says, what? And so, um, you, I need to make just... a quick scene correction. Um, just, just yeah. a real minor. Uh, it's not. It's not. I'm sorry. It's not astrometrics. It's actually stellar cartography, and it's on deck 17. No problem. So, Love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I... Continue. Perfect. I've landed on deck 17, just as I had hoped. <laughs> I'm on deck 17, just well as I wanted. 
Um, yeah, so uh, you you just see Exio and and sort of nods um, as a and sort Commander, of. I thought I had more time than this. Is this is this just a? Are you? Is this? Okay. This 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 is good. Bye. <laughs> I can't hear you. Cat is confused, <laughs> and she starts working like double speed. <laughs> right. So terrified, that was like a <laughs> Exio's like Exio's like I'm gonna go make sure my crew is being taken care of. Exio appears. Oh my god, what's wrong? Why aren't you speaking to me? Oh god, I, I need to work think, faster. I don't think Cardassians have friendly check-ins. <laughs> I think. Yeah. I think that they, this is more of a like. Oh, you've come to tell me that like. You've got like 30 seconds before the world explodes. Okay, <laughs> time to double time. Not my intended effect, but hey, productivity. <laughs> Here we um, go. Also, did you happen to notice that she was not the same uh, density? That's true. She's... I'm genuinely just did, curious honestly, if you noticed. Part, I think the cat did, and I think that was part of the panic too because it's like if you had enough time you would have just walked down here you would have meandered down here by yourself um, i would have flipped but, but i'm captaining but instead oh, yes, yes, the ghost of, of captain's future <laughs> appeared in front of you <laughs> exactly <laughs> and so uh yeah double time oh man right no uh, problem that was just my weird flavor that's what i'm doing for a half hour testing out the hollow emitters she, um, she comes into dr yada real quick and it's like dr yada real quick do you ever feel like you work better when it feels like the whole world is on fire around you? Hmm. Is that a thing you experience? It's an interesting turn of phrase, to be honest, uh, Lieutenant. I've never experienced what it would be like to have a world on fire around me. Yeah, fair. I mean, being underwater most of the time. Anyway, are... 26 more to go. Apparently, I just got a little, you know, friendly reminder that we are running out of time. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, we are. Yeah. This is exciting, don't you think? It actually is. Like I said, I mean, you, you, I, I don't think you, as you just said, you don't really experience the world on fire effect, but I, I really think I do. I think that, like, it's weird. I, I think that I have to, everything has to be burning for in order for me to actually care. Anyway, let's hmm. keep That's interesting. That would suggest <gasps> some sort of emotional stunted, maybe perhaps a psychological problem. But I'm not a therapist or a psychologist. I I can only recess, basically repeat what I've heard in lectures and things that I've read. I'm mostly good at breaking down the heavens. Sounds like you are pretty well qualified to make that kind of judgment. Am I? It's kind of tricky. I don't do so well when talking to bipeds. In fact, you're the first biped that I've spoken to that I've enjoyed conversation with. Most of them just kind of want to gawk. Even at Odanians, mostly because of humankind's reputation for the way they treat their life forms on their planet. And I know not all Federation races. Ah, there's a candidate. You, bing, ah. you see something pop up um, and say, we could look at that one. Oh, Where was the perfect. other one? Um, and then, and then what was uh, I saying? Like as, as soon as um, she brings it back to the planet, like I think Jane's completely black back into doing the work. Think um, of it, Lieutenant. Currently, we are up against the wall, as they like to say, and being up against the wall, as they like to say, we are doing the most rapid, expansive scan of the Shackleton Expanse ever conducted in this deep of space. And it's all through necessity. 
which means the outcome of us discovering a diamond in the rough is relatively unchanged, but still could happen now that we're actually making the effort. We should celebrate after this. Indeed. Why don't you come by my place for a drink? And Wonderful. then you hear a chirping sound for, like, laughter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Triada. Um, yeah, Jane's back into it. She's looking at her 26. Um, have we gone all the way around? Can I roll again, or...? Not yet. I need to okay. know what's going on planet side. Because right. right now, the captain and the ambassador are down on the planet trying to keep a fire from spreading. Um, the defense minister has, as y'all are, y'all have been monitoring the situation from planet side, Captain, the defense minister has been a little more accommodating. She has somewhat cooled, but the agitation and worry that everyone is experiencing right now because the clock being ticking, you have managed to explain to them the situation. The fact that there is this, yes, Jody, massive alien life form that is currently brewing underneath the surface of the planet that should it hatch will be a threat to all life on this side of the planet. Um, but the situation seems like you've managed to convince them that the situation is being dealt with. Um, right now, a lot of the attention is turned on looking at the images that are coming back from their satellites and their, uh, their long-range telescopes. They are very focused on the USS Ross and the Ketikus, which is the Tholian dreadnought. Um, those images have been up on the screen this entire time. And Captain, just from your training uh, in command and having, this will be your second command of a starship, you visually can pick up on a course alteration from the Tholian Dreadnought. It doesn't look like they're actually changing uh, heading. It looks like they're gaining in altitude over their orbit. Um, the defense minister standing next to you, it's been, it's been <laughs> about 30 seconds of silence um, in between all of the chatter that's been going on and all the questions that you've been inundated with. When finally the defense minister, who is a quick, quick reminder, her name is Kaya Nobal. Um, defense minister Nobal turns to you, Captain, and says, well, it would appear that the final moments of my world could be playing out right now, Captain. I would like to ask you what you intend on doing if your efforts to free the creature succeed, but to find it a new food source fail. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. Hmm. If you'll pardon me though, this world isn't the only one in emergency or won't be eventually. I do have to prepare for the next one while my crew is dealing with this one. I don't understand. Well, assuming this creature lives, it will have to feed more than once. It is probably going to be escorted somewhere by that ship. Where and how and what it eats along the way are all relevant to my people and to surrounding galactic parties. Parties who need to be alerted right away about the existence of this creature. So I have some broadcasts to make. I have some work to attend to as well. Excuse me. And she turns and steps out of the situation room. Before she leaves the, the tactical area, you see her summon over one of the officers who immediately follows her out of the room. Um, 
watching her go, the High Regent uh, Keel, he watches her go and turns back to you and says, "She's uh, she was the right pick for the job. She's she's always been very protective of my administration and the people itself ever since our countries all united about three hundred years ago." Uh, the defense minister traditionally has been a very conservative role. The the responsibility of assuring that our union does not fall into chaos almost squarely falls onto the shoulders of the defense minister. The high regent really is a ceremonial job. I am technically the leader of our people, and she does have to refer to me. But in truth, Captain, our, in truth, our our powers are, are quite equal. Good to know, and but quite frankly, I don't think you could ask for a better minister in this moment. Precaution is entirely warranted. Her distrust of us has certainly been warranted based on the evidence that we understood. I don't begrudge her not liking us, not trusting us at first. That's perfectly reasonable. You should consider yourself lucky to have her. <laughs> I, uh, it hasn't been lost on me. If she is good at the tactics and the uh, seeing a few moves ahead. I'm good at reading people, and I've watched you give space and allow her to experience her concerns. <laughs> I, uh, I appreciate that. This is going to go a long way to getting uh, our people to trust the Federation. Uh, determining, of course, whatever our relationship is. <laughs> Assuming the world doesn't end. <laughs> That's certainly uh, not the plan. This is the beginning of a long and, I looked at Bolin, hopefully fruitful relationship. You're a, a diverse people, aren't you? And with that, he turns and looks over at Ambassador Majanil and just says, I have so many questions that we didn't get a chance to, to ask at dinner. Um, are you all from, you, you, you had mentioned that you were all from different worlds. Yes, uh, I might have slightly exaggerated our numbers when I did say there are hundreds of us. There are hundreds of us from dozens of species. Um, but that being said, our aspirations do include one day being made up of hundreds of species. Yours mm. among them would be true honor. In fact, I actually think that there's something that you can help us with now, if you wouldn't mind. I'm feeling kind of useless right now, Ambassador, so uh, I'd be happy to be put to work. <laughs> the Jashashian are by far not useless. In fact, we have uh, something that we were very curious about upon meeting your species that could be incredibly helpful to us now. Um, I... The Tholians are not from around here, if you uh, haven't picked that up. This is nowhere near their usual home territory. In fact, they have incite they have a possibly incited an intergalactic diplomatic situation just by being here. We want to where know they... how they got here. Where, we... where where exactly are they from? Did they not travel the stars such as you? They did, but from the polar opposite side of the galaxy. We did not come from so far. From the polar opposite side of the galaxy. Yes. My goodness, how far away are you from? Fairly far, but they're from even further. I don't know. I, it never occurred to me to think of you as the other side of the galaxy. 
right? yes puts it into perspective <laughs> well if, if this is the beta quadrant which i believe it is they're from the alpha quadrant which is much further the other way we there is no way they could have gotten here without traveling through our space and the space in between our space and yours which would have caused quite the incident had we discovered them uh, and and you've had many encounters with these tholians more than some people would prefer but things have settled between our peoples to a uh, uh, tepid a professional relationship is probably the best way I can put it. But they are reasonable. They will uh, negotiate. To a certain degree, yes. Um, but what concerns me is what called them here? And how did they get here without being unnoticed? And I think that's where your technology can help us. Well... Of course, I'll, I'll do what I can to help. I, if I'm going to do any kind of technology exchange, I do have to have the consent of the defense minister. Um, there is another problem that I'm going to have to confront in probably, oh, the next hour or two. It is There's, not. It's only a matter of time, Ambassador, until one of our citizens looks up at the sky. And of course, as you might imagine, we're not the only ones that have telescopes. Well, then I guess my question is, how do I help you while you help us? Unfortunately, I think that's going to be an internal matter. There's really not much that can be done. The hope was is that we could have this meeting and I could gauge potential threats and also thank you personally for saving our good scientist here. And he slaps uh, the Dr. Yugas on the shoulder who's been listening to all of this. Yugas has just been quietly watching with some anxiety on his face, not really saying much, staring at the images of these ships um, on the screens. Um, High Regent Keel just continues and says, the hope was is that we could have an initial contact meeting to assess one another, as I'm sure you were hoping as well. And this is going to make things very difficult. Our people are much like me. We're very friendly and we enjoy <laughs> exploring and finding new things, but um, we start easily. And it's not a stretch of the imagination to see this taking a turn for the worse if it's not resolved quickly, especially if it becomes a, a visible event somehow, this creature emerging on the opposite side of the planet. I mean, we won't even feel it over here, I'm sure. But then, I guess that's not true though, is it? We've been experiencing tremors, isn't that right? And he looks over at Dr. Yugas and says, Dr. Yugas says, yes, High Regent, we've, we've actually experienced 4,327 minor tremors in the past seven years, um, which isn't terribly unusual for planets with fault lines. In fact, in some places that might be considered a low number, seven years in all, but they have been increasing in frequency and magnitude. Uh, how much? Uh, Over in the past time. And how does that correlate to the depletion of organic matter in the area? That would give us rate of growth. That would also indicate fuel requirements for Depletion it. You could get very organic... much information and send that to our ship's doctor. 
I'm sorry, I don't follow you, Captain. Depletion of organic matter, you mean... Yes. Uh, the, the other side of your planet. Oh, I see. Oh, I see, of course, yes. You observing us would n note that. <laughs> we... We don't notice it quite so much. The other side of the planet has been like that for... Oh, uh... I think the last recorded biological life that lived in the other hemisphere was recorded... I believe you can actually see the fossils in our museums. Even having an archaeological record will help significantly. I can... I, we have those on record on the computer. I can be happy to bring those up for you. Yes, Braid of Decay, anything that tells us about how much something of that size needs to eat change over time. We're looking for trend lines here, and that will ideally help us find the most nutrient-dense way of supporting this creature, so that it does not need quite so much. Uh, yes, of course. Uh, High Regent, if I have your permission, of course, to share this information. The High Regent goes, yes, yes, no, of course, of course, share, share away. Science is totally different. <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. Go share, share, and share away. Um, thank you, Captain. That's fascinating. I, I wouldn't have thought of that. Um, still trying to wrap my head around the scope of this whole event. <laughs> A giant I... crystal thing forming underneath the surface of our planet that threatens to eat us all. If I may, High Regent... In my experience, when it comes to communicating hard truths and surprising turns of events, it is better to do so as quickly as possible than to hold off until the very last moment. And sometimes the only way to manage those kinds of expectations is to be as open as possible. And if a friendly face to introduce your people to the new wide world of the galaxy that you are a part of would be helpful. I am glad to be that face for you. Well, I'm, I'm sure once the anxiety dies down, I'll feel exactly the same. I do feel a hint of that though, Ambassador. <laughs> I could possibly be of assistance in that area as well. What do you mean? <clears throat> It is a um, quality of my species to help alleviate anxiety by way of touch. I can help you feel a little bit more calm. Um, you see him consider that for a moment and says, uh, thank you, I'll take that into consideration. It is completely up to you and it would never be anything otherwise, but if you, need a friendly hand, mine is extended. Thank you, Ambassador. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, let's go ahead and get that second roll. So right now, this roll is going to be, uh, this is going to be you, Xander. So this is combing through all of the data that Yada and Lakat are sending you trying to trying to sift through like all of this sensory information that they have been gathering. There's a lot of interesting candidates. Um, what you're having to do right now, going through the data that's coming through, 
is basically think of it like a purification process. You're taking this data and you're trying to figure out which are the false positives and which actually, and, and also to confirm the findings of Yada and Lacat. Mm-hmm. We're getting information back. So go ahead and make your roll. Who wants to roll for the Ross? Do you want to do that, I have, Sam? I have the yep. sheet. Oh, oh my God. Okay, I have fun. The sheet. I've never rolled for the ship before. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, you're going to roll one die. Okay. So you're going to roll computers and engineering for the Ross. Um, yes. Dari, let me hold on one sec. Let me get Dari's stats in front of me. Unless, Sam, do you want to roll for Ross? You are the captain. You are so enthusiastic about it, like, <laughs> I could possibly take that from you. My little uh, You're on the ship and I am not, and that seems as fine a qualifier as any. Okay. How do you represent, Captain? <laughs> All right. So, Chief Tech. Yes. This is going to be a control engineering check, so this is going to be right, right up your alley. Yeah. All right. So, um, so this is for the extended task. Mm-hmm. All right, so currently the difficulty is four, but because of the application that Sam, our captain, has applied, rationale, basically pitching a story idea to the GM and the GM kind of going, yeah, I could see that. Um, I'm going to allow that difficulty to drop by one and say that you have an asset for this (laughs) one time, this one roll. Um, You've got two on the work tracks. The difficulty is going to drop from four to three. Um, and everything else is still the same. Resistance one, magnitude is, uh, actually the magnitude's dropped down to- Three, right? Three, yeah. So the magnitude has dropped to three, which is spectacular. Um, all right, and you've got only one interval on the, on the tablet. So you've got 30 minutes worth of work as you guys are working furiously. Go ahead and make your roll. Before I roll, I would just like to ask, because it might come up, can I apply the focus of Xenoculinary Arts for this roll? Because, I mean... No. Okay, all right, that's fair. This, is, this, okay. would, be more, this would be more of a Xenobiology check than anything else. <laughs> yeah. We're currently uh, at three momentum, do you want one for Cautious? Yes, please. So I, add an extra we're die. at two, and that will leave uh, one for reroll and one for piercing. All right, go ahead and make your roll. Ooh. So that is three, four, five successes from me. One from Dari. Because of these crit. Dari rolled a four. It has to be your, for focus. You're not using a focus. Oh, oh, okay. Right? One, two, three, three. Yeah, yeah. so four successes total. Yes. Yeah. And then you had one. Yeah. So five. So five? Because you got you got three, Dari got one, the yep. Ross got one. Yeah, five successes total. Nicely yes. done. So that's going to succeed. You're going to generate two momentum, which will be juicy to have at this point. And we'll All use one for piercing. <clears throat> okay. So roll two, and you're using your engineering skill here. So go ahead and make that that five dice. So seven dice on this. Mm-hmm. Yes. Momentum check, Sam. Three. Currently at three, accounting for the one that's being used on piercing. Ooh, okay, hold on. These three are gonna get re-rolled. But we've got five so far in an effect. I'm gonna, uh, re- it's one momentum for a blanket re-roll of uh, nothings, right? Correct. Yeah, and then it goes up, it scales up if I remember correctly. Great, okay. 
Oh wait, no, you're using cautious, right? No, yes. no, this is for this is for this is just in a momentum spin. You can spend right. one momentum to re-roll. Okay, cool. Right. So total I've got six, and two of those six are effects. No, yes. Okay. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. You're right. Eight, Eight and two of them are effects. <laughs> and piercing devours. Piercing is not. Uh, piercing basically devours the resistance. Your brain is so broken. that's going to be five off the work track, which is pretty amazing. Woo! Uh, wait, wait. Six. I'm sorry. You said six. How much total? Eight total. Two have effects. Okay. So that's going to be two more off. You're going to be down to one magnitude. So what I what might be able to happen, can I spend a determination for two extra successes or is it too late for that? You could use one of those effects to only have this take up one interval. I believe I, oh, I see. that would be a momentum spend, right? Typically, yes, but I think effects can actually or I have to look, but I, I think uh, I think in this case, if I remember correctly, effects have a very limited application to extended tasks. A determination, you mean? Uh, what's that? Determination and values. Yeah. Um, That's okay. I was just checking if I could get it for that little extra bit to get it up to 10. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. Um, tell you what, if you want to give me one second, I'd be happy to check on this. Um, yeah, because I will definitely use my value. Yeah, we might as well look at this real quick because you are rolling like a mofo right now. Um, if I could count. The most commonly used, okay, so this is momentum. What about effects? Well, there are some special effects abilities, but you have to get those through a special, oh, so effects really kick in with special abilities. However, you might want to talk to your GM about, okay. So it looks like effects really kick in if you have a special ability or a talent that will let you activate an effect when you roll those during the work track roll. Um, and some of those are like, if you have, uh, there'll be like, um, there'll be like an ability that's like studious or whatever, which is not the same thing that as I'm thinking of, gotcha. but an example of like a name of a talent that you might have that will let you activate an additional plus one to your work track, like like the vicious trait does for a, a disruptor right. pistol. Gotcha. So unless you had something like that specifically, there's really no, there's no way to activate effects. Nope. <clears throat> okay. Save that value for when. Well, you, <laughs> Um, so you narrow 26 down, coming through the data, you narrow 26 down to four. Um, now, a lot of that is jumping to conclusion and making picks, but what you're getting from right now is you're making highly educated guesses um, because you just don't have the time you need to actually take, uh, to do a thorough examination of every system. 26 systems, if there's multiple planets per system and you need to have this done before this thing hatches, um, tech, you're basically looking at the data that Yada and Lakat have supplied you, and you're making the best possible educated guesses along with Dari. Um, I should also add um, that as you're doing this, um, uh, Petty Officer Rachel Carter has come back, and they are also helping you analyze this data. Um, so the three of you have are like going through all of this information. You have managed to be able to actually pinpoint that down to four, because you're only you are now only down to one magnitude. So there's, there's, it's, it's very unlikely that you don't succeed spectacularly the next time this rolls. <laughs> um, <laughs> Captain in, enjoying a little bit of that Cardassian paranoia. <laughs> oh, that one is homegrown, my friend. <laughs> um, all right, I am going to spend uh, two threat 
so that one of the probes disappears into the ether. Um, okay, so you guys are working. So an hour, about an hour and actually, no, so you managed to, okay, so what happened? So about an hour and a half has passed. It's been one and a half intervals now. Um, so you are well, well ahead of the curve. Six hours, an hour and a half in, you guys are doing great. Um, <clears throat> as we are wrapping up this 30 minute interval, um, what is everybody else doing on the ship right now in this next 30 minutes? Is everyone just hard at work still like, die, like going through the data? Um, I do have a broadcast that I do want to make sure gets made as soon as possible uh, sure. to put our ambassador in a more advantageous position to talking with the Tholians later. Okay. Um, because I would like to, apart from uh, assigning my yeoman a lot of homework about Tholians and territorial rights in the Klingon and Federation territories respectively, mm -hmm. I would like to arrange with a comms officer since Prawl is working on phaser surgery I'd like to work with a comms officer to send a broadcast in the clear on Federation and Klingon frequencies. Between the two of those, the Romulans will pick up on it too, alerting them to the situation the with both Tholians and Crystalline Entity at large. Okay, if Tholians so think they're going to sneak their way back without Noah knowing that is not going to happen. So, so a subspace signal broadcast in the clear where the Tholians can see it because we are playing without sure. any sort of hiding. Uh, sure. But like, you know, we are giving updates that there are Tholians in the Shackleton Expanse for with the Crystalline Entity. So sending that message out, since there are no subspace relays, that message will probably reach Narendra Station in the next few weeks. Um, but the message is sent out. There's no stopping it now. So as you basically send out, you order the USS Ross to send out a signal allowing, uh, letting people basically know of the situation with the Tholians and their presence here in the Shackleton Expanse. Um, yeah, you basically cast that message out. Um, so if war should now. come to pass, what's that? Can't stop the signal now. <laughs> if, the war, if nothing else, if the war should come to pass, um, you should be able to, well, I shouldn't say a couple of weeks. It'd probably take a couple of days to get to Narendra. Yeah, subspace um, is very, very fast. Yeah, subspace is much faster than warp. So it'll take you just a couple of days to get to Narendra. Um, on that note, um, as you send out that message, the, as, as Michanto sends out that message on behalf of the captain, as everyone is working furiously, as the Tholians are lingering overhead and watching very closely, we're going to pause for a 10 minute break because it's eight o'clock. It's about eight o'clock. Um, so why don't we take a quick 10 minute break, run to the restroom, grab some drinks, get back and find out what happens. It seems like the crew of the USS Ross is going to succeed and find something suitable that they will be able to use. What happens once you get there though? What are you looking at once you discover? The game's only just begun. Stay tuned, everybody. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Clear Skies, everybody. We were just discussing how hot Xander would look if he was dressed up like a character from Tombstone with that great <laughs> mustache curl. In the all-black suit, if you were going full dog holiday, that I'm just saying. Yeah. That, Here we go. You've got, the, you've got to look for it. I'm just saying. All right. <laughs> I'm your engineer. <laughs> Doesn't quite work, does it? <laughs> I'm your bolian. All right. <clears throat> um, 
We are jumping back into this crazy, crazy adventure where you guys are kicking the crap out of a vicious extended task. Um, as you can see, um, uh, for those who have been following us at home, um, extended tasks, really, it's all about knocking down the magnitude. That's the number one thing that you want to, uh, to do. That's Think of extended task magnitude as the hit points of the task you have. The thing that you really need to contend with is um, the base difficulty and resistance are really what make the big deal as well as the intervals. That's where the complications really come in. Now, you guys had a base difficulty of four, which ain't easy, but the resistance was blessedly low. And I staged it that way specifically because when we left off in the last game, you guys had taken a lot of steps to send out probes as quickly as possible and threw teams on this. So Ox crew represent because the crew of the USS Ross came together to make this happen. Um, that's reflected in the resistance rating of only one. The magnitude being five is mighty because you had a needle and a haystack thing going on with intervals of 11. This could have gone south, but you spent your momentum wisely. And now you're an hour and a half into the research project and you've already got some excellent candidates to present to the captain for options well ahead of the curve of when this thing is estimated to emerge from the surface of the planet. Um, we're going to start off uh, where we left off uh, Let's see, we were about to make, oh wait, no, you just made your roll, didn't you, Xander? So you just got that, you just knocked that crap out. So just, just so we know where we're at, we now have a, a breakthrough. We only need one more breakthrough to complete the task. The base difficulty is still four, but the magnitude has dropped to one, which is pretty damn handy. Resistance is still at one as well. So, Let's go ahead and start things off um, back down with Prawl and Macrell, because as the data is starting to coming in, you guys are starting to getting a sense, Macrell, that you and the Lieutenant Commander on the bridge are actually, you've got a wider window than you thought you were going to have. A little more time to perfect this process. Um, yes. And because Lakat and Yada and Tech and Dari have been doing such a brilliant job grabbing the data, processing it, combing through it for likely candidates. And everybody, well, I should also, I shouldn't omit our uh, Rachel Carter, our data analyst. They have also been helping tremendously. Um, and my spooky appearances. And, and the ghost of Gina's past. <laughs> I just, I had this moment where uh, when Gina appeared in front of LaCat and and then LaCat had that whole scene like, uh, you know, the world is on fire and then it cutting to McCrell with a hologram planet just burning like <laughs> from the previous encounter of Exio so just be like transition. Oh. just to and sit all you see as you look up from this burning hologram is Exio just yeah and then like <laughs> disappear <laughs> like <laughs> you're doing great <laughs> <laughs> um oh you know what real quick before we start this scene i should roll for chief singh and see how he and his team did let's pull a name from the ox crew you guys so who's been helping chief singh i'm gonna say ooh, to do oh man so many great i gotta say that can i just say this about our ox crew they come up with some fantastic names um some fantastic names from they the ox crew. really do they really do they come up with some good stuff Names aren't easy. They're not. Says the former Captain Crunch. One of the final one of the final publications that uh, Gary Gygax ever put out was actually a book of names, and it's super useful. It goes through pretty much every culture, um, and it's pretty rad. 
Uh, okay. The precursor to like fantasy name generator, which I use. <laughs> yeah. That thing is awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. So let me just, sorry, give me one second. This is loading. This is actually my PDF that's loading of the Ross right now, not the name. One of the great things about playing remotely is that I have so much material right where I need it, when I need it. Um, and sometimes a little overwhelming. Um, you've actually been using, with the help of, uh, oh, this is perfect. There is an environmental uh, life support specialist named Tamiri. She is a Vulcan and a petty officer as well. And she has been also helping uh, process some of this data. Um, she has been helping uh, Chief Singh basically monitor the changes that are going to be made in the upper atmosphere from superheating the crust of the planet with these phasers. There, it's a very, it's, it's think of it, McCrell, it's just like any kind of surgery. When you're making any kind of incision, it's going to affect a lot of the systems. And you just need to monitor heart rates, blood pressure, all that jazz. Um, think of it like that. So I'm going to roll an assist on here. I'm going to say this is an experienced officer. So I'm just going to just pull a straight up 12 stat. Let's go ahead and roll. I'll set the difficulty at three. Well, Chief Singh rolled a one and a four. So that's a reason okay. to keep him on staff. <laughs> um, Cool. Tamiri actually rolled a nine, so we're going to give that to Tamiri as well. So um, Chief Singh actually reports back um, that he, with the help of of his assistant, is actually able to realign the, the phaser array and to do it in such a way is that it won't it won't be as uh, essentially using techniques that will only cut rock, basically refining the phaser array so that it will do precision cuts across the surface of the crust. So you should now have that array set up but here's the trade-off the ross is gaining a trait right now it's basically precision cutting on the phaser array so i'm going to i'm going to rule that until that is reverted back to its normal phaser uh before until that is reverted back to its normal weapon settings right now the uss ross phasers are only doing one damage So as, that's a totally fair compromise, I think. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully we don't have to fight anyone anytime yeah. soon. Prawl, Prawl has not it's 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 interesting, XEO, because you keeping track of the situation and Prawl informing you of what's happening. Lieutenant Commander Prawl is not somebody who it, it, it takes it takes a certain amount of stress to get him to, to complain out loud. And usually it's him complaining about himself. Like if he misses something or if like something got messed up, he'll just like swear, basically. Um, What's he complaining about this time? He's not complaining about anything, which is actually incredibly telling. Because when um, because when you learn that the weapon systems of the Ross are actually going to be depowered so they can commit to this, uh, basically this incision on the planet's surface, um, he, he gets unusually quiet. <clears throat> uh, like when you hurt yourself really bad and instead of screaming, you go quiet and then you know it's really bad? Yeah, it's something like that. And... Exio, it doesn't take a roll or anything. You know why he's agitated. It's because the Ross basically decided to put on. <laughs> yeah, the Ross. Is, the Ross is now technically bringing it. For him, we're defenseless. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
So Which she's... is why Varen is saying the mantra while keeping track of the Tholian ship. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Don't is... worry, I already have at least one uh, ship tactic that doesn't involve phasers. In, yep. in the... We're working on it. We're working <laughs> on it. <laughs> um, okay, so um, you guys, let's go ahead and do this. Um, with the amount of time that you all have, um, you've finished this task so far ahead of the curve. The estimated arrival of this crystalline entity child is not due for another five hours. Now, it's not unusual for a Trek to do a five-hour cut and do a supplemental log, and we've been in orbit over the planet uh, Jadarin and awaiting the arrival of this new. By this point, um, tell you what I'd do. Since we're jumping ahead and because you guys have been doing so spectacular in the roles, I'll give you this much, just to add some narrative flavor. Um, your signal that was sent to Narendra Station has actually been picked up by the USS Thunderchild and relayed back to Narendra Station. Um, so the USS Thunderchild is now very much aware that there is a Tholian dreadnought. Um, you've received a message in the past three hours, uh, Exio, that the USS uh, Thunderchild is currently moving into your sector to be on standby if the dreadnought decides to pull it, but to pull any, to, to, they basically decide to throw down. But the Thunderchild does warn you that they are not going to be in range fast enough if things go down in the next few hours. They're just not going to get to you in time. <clears throat> so, but they are on their way. Understood. Um, Captain, are we relaying this information to the Tholians or is this our card? This is a card that we are leaving for our ambassador to play for the next hand. Once we get this crystalline entity out, and fed for the first time, well, I assume the Tholians are going to want to bring it home. Through whose space exactly? <laughs> How do they intend on feeding it exactly? And I think both the Federation and the Klingon Empire, at the very minimum, have an interest in that. And the Tholians have an interest in keeping the crystalline entity alive and healthy, and if the Tholians think that they're just going to let the crystalline entity go ham all the way between here and the Tholian assembly, well, I guess they will have the might of two star nations bearing down on them for that. Well, I look very much forward to the two of you having that conversation. <laughs> oh, yes. Don't worry. We've released you from that particular one. All you have to do is try to find that first meal and uh, continue holding course. Against, I believe it's going uh, quite well. That's our crew. I imagine another recommendation letter for Rogan will be in order. You know, you really did put together a very strong team. Quite a fan of my executive officer as well, I must say. Not a bad captain either. Well, unfortunately, Commander does have a tendency to dawdle talking to that captain. Absurd, absurd. Back to work with you. Of course, I will just continue to sit here and worry. Just kidding. Have fun. Ah, it is we, Ambassador, who sit here and worry. I'm afraid I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't have to be a telepath, Ambassador. 
quick lore reminder. Um, the USS Thunderchild is an Akira-class Federation warship. She's the only warship the Federation actually has in the Shackleton Expanse. Um, Akira-class is getting on up there in years at this point, but it has only been in service since about the time of Wolf 359 is when it came into service after Wolf 359. About the time it was first implemented was the Dominion War and the second invasion of the Borg uh, into Federation space. It is currently captained by Captain Victor Navarro. Um, and uh, Captain Navarro has made it pretty clear that he is uh, getting there as fast as he can, just in case things go south. You, if if the six hour deadline, he's saying he's probably gonna be there in the next eight hours. So if anything does go down, it'll have happened already, but he's on his way anyway. This isn't about saving the Ross. This, we have no expectation of backup. This is a much longer game than whatever happens today. But as long as the Federation and the Klingon Empire know what's happening, someone will be able to protect innocence from any predations by the Crystalline Entity and uh, any more acts of aggression and uh, swinging around in the backyard. From the <laughs> Certainly still does not answer the question of how the hell they got out here in the first place. Or how they knew that this was happening. Really Those are like... two very, very interesting questions. Really like to put the Jashashians to work on that. They have technology that could probably pick it up a lot better than ours would. I wonder if that archaeological data could come in handy. I mean, almost certainly. There's no way it wouldn't. The anthropologist in me says that we've been very, uh... We need that information sooner rather than later. Well, if, uh, fortunately, I have an anthropologist right here who currently is just sitting and worrying. Oh, no. No, you weren't worrying. I <laughs> you have an anthropologist and an expert xenobiologist. You got all kinds of goodness at your disposal. It would be great to have that, especially. <laughs> could, we, could we do a thing? Can, can the thing can be done good? Can the doctor and I do some stuff over here? Well, I know the doctor is uh, prepping for. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, doctor... an experimental laparotomy. <laughs> uh, the Dishashian doctor. I meant to clarify. Doctor Yugos, um, yes. you can approach him. What would sure. you? Uh, at this point, you guys have adjourned um, since things are kind of calming down, and there's just a waiting period. You've adjourned to. Sort of like a main, uh, it, it would look like a, a place where dignitaries are typically hosted here in this crystal palace. Um, it's kind of ominous now that you have some context. The fact that this structure is made largely out of these crystals that have developed over time leads you to start wondering what the history of this planet is and its relationship to crystal technology or crystal formations. Like, what is the relationship here? Um, it kind of sparks the imagination a little bit, especially because now you're getting reports that um, life on the other side of the hemisphere may have been dying out as far as millions of years ago. So it puts a strange continuity on the events that are taking place at the moment. Um, leading you into this main area, again, the place is beautiful because it uses the warping effect of these crystals to advantage, making some of the art pieces that are built into the walls behind these sort of like layered crystal formations that are over the walls 
look like they're in motion when you walk past them, subtly like reaching out. It almost looks like Jashashians from across the centuries are still dining in this hall. It looks like they're still walking and conversing with each other. You can see generations of clothing that's changed over the course of their, their ages, of the centuries, of how they grew from conservatism to something a little more modern, to something a little more avant-garde. You can see like all of the different types of clothing and cultures that have developed here. You can see historical moments taking place, which you must assume is the unification of the planet itself, very similar to the way Earth united after first contact. Um, you can see a delegations meeting, kind of like the first Congress. Everyone gathered around this table and discussing things, as well as like scientific discoveries. The history of the Jashashian people artistically and beautifully encrusted into the walls behind these warp crystal light structures. It's casting this sort of amber-like glow across the room as you all walk in, making it feel like you're constantly surrounded by a low glowing like ember fire around everyone. But the temperature in here is nice and normal, I would suppose. Roughly for a hot planet, if you remember correctly, the average temperature of this planet is roughly 95 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, in, as you enter this room, it's much cooler, probably being adjusted specifically for all of you. Um, as you step in, um, you just see the high region or the uh, Dr. Yugos kind of like pull his his uh, lab coat a little closer over his chest and says, I've actually never been in this room. <laughs> they don't let scientists in here. This is for foreign dignitaries and I was never important enough. <laughs> this has been an extraordinary day. I hope this all gets resolved by the morning for the better, of course. I, I, I have to tell you, the High Regent was correct when he was warning you about our people. We are enlightened. We have started exploring the universe, but our first encounter with aliens, if this is what it is to be, it would be so sudden. It should be coming from the High Regent. If they discover you all first, there could be panic. I'm not... No one knows your people better than your High Regent. That is not in question. I think what is concerning to me is that we are having to do all of this in a much more rushed way than even I would prefer. I don't think it's necessarily fair that our very first encounter, at least as on a planetary scale, has to be specifically this, though I am honored that we can help you. Well, you've already helped us, and aside from saving not only me and my team, but decades of research and development and this construction of our station. And if you weren't here, we would never have known about these Tholians or this entity that is about to emerge. I mean, scientifically speaking, if this entity is emerging from our planet, I have to assume that it's been there for well, who knows how long. And Probably. Where does it come from? How has it always been here? Has our planet done this before? What, how does a biological life form emerge from a planet like this and live in deep space? Is there an ecosystem in space that we're not aware of? So many, so many fabulous questions. I, <laughs> well, that is I truly hope we survive thing. so that I can have them answered. Of course, of course. And I, I am a I'm almost certain that there is a scientist aboard my ship who is asking these very same questions and probably going through 
exactly the same level of uh, enthusiasm that you are. And after all of this is over, I think the two of you are going to have a lot of fun figuring that out together. <clears throat> but wow. I think that the more pressing thing is is the question of where did it come from and, and how, how long has it possibly been uh, gestating on your planet? And the only thing that I can think of is that your planet has always been this. Well, I, I think I understand where the captain, your, your captain was asking questions about our history. I, I think I could see their line of thought. And that is a very interesting line of thought. One that we wouldn't have been able to pursue without sort of the bird's eye view, as it were. Um, now that we know this thing is there, it's entirely possible that the life and death cycles on the other side of the planet have not been a naturally recurring phenomenon. But the biggest question, of course, to reiterate again is perhaps it is a natural occurring phenomenon. What would we consider unnatural? If this creature is growing from our planet, then it's quite natural. But it begs the question as to how this has informed the entire trajectory of our culture. <laughs> well, Sorry, that's exactly, a bigger question for another time. I would love to know more later about what the significance of these crystals are to your culture in general. It is obvious that you put some stock in their beauty at the very least, and what other more uh, significant meaning they have to you, I'm very interested in knowing. But again, the, the biggest question is, is how do the Tholians find out? How did they figure out that the crystalline entity was going to be here? And then, how did they travel through two quadrants of space without being discovered? And we need answers to those questions, and we really need them now. Well, I, I, I'm afraid I can't help you with those two, but I can discuss the data with you that I have over the fossil record that we have of our planet's life and death cycles. We've had extinction cycles before. And yes, that that's very much something that we're interested in. Um, I, I keep pressing this particular thing because our sensors up on the ship are probably wrapped up in quite a bit of, of work as it is, and you have the ability to pick up things in subspace that we can't, like the particle fountain. Is it possible to redirect your technology to pick up things like, I don't know, sympathetic resonance or even a wormhole? I would normally say that we're not there yet, Because the application, they're all theoretical right now. What you're suggesting is possible, yes, but we're, we as a culture are not there yet. However... How do we help you get there? Well, I suspect that would be a technology exchange. But as a scientist, I need to acknowledge the dangers of such a thing. Uh, giving us technology of your level of advancement could be catastrophic for my culture. And I need to acknowledge that before I ask for it. Of course, and I need to get permission from my captain before I promise you anything anyway. But I just want to, I want to make it clear that at this point, this type of technological trade between us is advantageous to both our cultures. I would agree, especially now. Um, 
I, I don't know anything about... The application of being able to detect the particle fountain, we are able, with our technology, to detect ripples under the... As the inventor of this scientific application once said, we are able to detect the ripples or the heartbeat of the universe itself. He was a bit of a poet. But he once said that our ability to detect and scan through subspace was a lot like just looking under the surface of water. In that regard, we're able to detect the ebbs and flows and spikes of energies that travel through subspace. Um, it's how we detect the presence or the, the imminent presence of a particle fountain. There's usually an extraordinary buildup of energies. What's fascinating about these energies is they're usually completely unpredictable and seem to emerge from nowhere. Just about every type of particle you can think of emerges from a particle fountain. It's quite extraordinary. There is a theory right now that if more of these things exist, that particle fountains could be a vital element to the continuity of the universe itself, much like the theory of black holes and the expansion of the Big Bang, the formations of solar systems and stars. They are vital elements that seem to create and destroy on such a level that keeps the universe from falling and flying apart. Oh, what a wondrous galaxy and universe we live in. Yes. Still so many answers we do not have and so many things left to explore, regardless of advancement. Ambassador, I trust you. I, I don't know you very well, but you and your crew saved my life. And so I trust you a little more than perhaps I would otherwise. I have been hesitant to say anything. I I have to acknowledge that as a member of my own people, that I have to keep my people's best interests at heart. And what I'm about to tell you could possibly be a mistake. But in my years as working as science advisor for this administration, it's, I think, important to tell you that you should, gods forgive me for telling you this, you should keep an eye on the defense minister. She is cunning and she will put her agenda before others. I don't want to see anything happen to sabotage your efforts to resolve the situation peacefully. I appreciate your warning, Dr. Yugas. And I appreciate... I appreciate that you have the ability to see beyond certain levels of aspiration in order <laughs> to keep people safe. I understand that giving me this kind of information jeopardizes you, but I do plan to do whatever I can to make sure that if things are to go wrong, you are not the person who bears the brunt of that. I appreciate that, but just know that if I am forced to bear the brunt of that, I 
I accept that. And you will not be at fault. It, this is my calculated risk. And it's also worth pointing out that the defense minister and I have not seen eye to eye, to put it mildly, during our tenure together. So make your own judgments, but it's my advice to be wary, <clears throat> you did especially mention, if she feels threatened. You did mention that in the past, the defense minister's role is meant to be a conservative one. I have noticed that in many cultures, conservatism does not always act in the best interest of its people. It depends, I suppose, on what the situation is, but in, in, in the, for the sake of moving forward as a people, it can certainly be an anchor. But I uh, believe you wanted to talk to me something about uh, science and not uh, politics. Of course. Uh, what, what can I do for you? Uh, the archaeological findings will be the first on yes. the agenda, and then I would like to put you uh, to work, if possible, once I have confirmed with my captain that this is okay, mm -hmm. on upgrading your systems to help us on planet side determining how exactly the Tholians found out about this entity and how it is that they managed to get out here in the first place. Um, and I think that that upgrade to your system won't be insignificant probably take a bit of time but whatever I can do and whatever my crew up in the in the ship can do to help you with that I would like to make sure that we facilitate such a thing in the meantime I will try to figure out a way to discreetly pass your note on to my captain thank you I should be thanking you Dr. Yugas you have armed us with quite a bit of incredibly important information and cooperation and uh cannot emphasize enough how important it is that you have uh, allowed us to change your world in such an open and gracious way. Yeah. Well, thank you. And thank you for your candor in the matter. Of course. Wouldn't be much of an ambassador if I weren't candid when necessary. Of course. Oh. Um, yeah, so my agenda at this point is making sure that Captain Sull is aware of the defense minister's potential. Uh, and then um, I want to make sure that uh, all of that archaeological stuff is being properly relayed between uh, the planet and the ship so that Jane and Tech have that information. Uh, and then I'm going to uh, uh, try to seek approval for the upgrading of their systems so that they can help us planet side to retrofit their particle, uh, um, particle fountain uh, technology to pick up on subspace stuff that normally uh, would be just outside of theoretical for them. And yeah, like getting getting all that stuff facilitated. I'm I'm running I'm running that interference down here. Okay. Um all right. So In with that I am going to ask Bren to alter uh course. Okay. I'd like him to hold the Ross geostationary over the Western Hemisphere. Above the crystalline entity? Because no one has a telescope on that side. I see. So, And besides, we're going to need that to be in position eventually for the surgery anyway. 
It's true. So, so we might uh, as well move it earlier and uh, <clears throat> undercut any attempts to make a scare out of us, given that the Tholians seem to enjoy breathing down our necks. They might well alter course uh, to match, but again, cannot overemphasize. Okay. So once again, kind of showing your cards. Yep. Um, Vryn looks back and nods to you, Commander Exio, just, you know, acknowledging the order, and then turns back onto the console. Um, you see the horizon of Jadaran begin to move slightly away from the view screen. Um, the Tholian's still within view, even at this distance, an extraordinarily large ship. Um, he moves at about one quarter impulse just to push you guys around the side of the planet, and then brings it down to thruster, maneuvering thrusters, um, as you guys very cautiously broadcast your move to the Tholians. Um, you proceed at slow speed, basically. Um, it'll take about 45 minutes to get over the Western Hemisphere, but it's plenty of time for the Tholians to see what you're up to and give them an opportunity to acknowledge it. Um, the Ross's weapons are still not online, so <clears throat> nothing provocative about your action. Slowly, the Ross begins to make its way over. You guys are actually moving. It's quite exquisite, Exio. On the view screen, as y'all are moving towards the Western Hemisphere, you actually are now uh, chasing the sunrise. So as you move through the dark side of the planet, you actually crest the top where you see this beam of yellow light it suddenly expands into this golden horizon over this orange crystalline planet. So once again, that glow begins to spread like an ocean across the surface of this world, and it lights it up. You can even hear Vryn reacting with his breath as it appears in the view screen. Um, and you are now moving into geosynchronous orbit, and you are set, coming into a I full circle overhead. I have a sl I allow myself a small moment of daydreaming of what it would feel like to have been on the outside of that ship for mm -hmm. that view. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah. You go Ross surfing sometimes. <laughs> Who told you? <laughs> so Some narc. Um, all right. So as the Ross moves into position, we're going to go ahead and do a bit of a time skip as things are moving forward. Unless anybody has any other scenes, we can get to the main event. If anybody else has anything else they want to do. <laughs> Sam, are you feeling the pressure? <laughs> no, I'm just... There are all of these scientists, and there's just one yeah. geological thing that just I desperately want to have crunched. Well, we can do that in that time period. And what did you want to say, Rave? Yeah, um, I think that uh, I, I too would like to crunch those numbers and uh, figure that out, um, Sam. But I think that as Jane is looking at these like last four planets and mm -hmm. her last four options, um, right mm -hmm. now we've kind of been doing a like, let's just find like one plate for the baby. Um, but Jane would like to like try and make that final planet um, give a little bit wiggle room in case that like for some Smart. reason this creature has to like stay on this planet for a little bit longer. I don't want it to be like, and now we got to find something else before it just dies. So, so a delaying um, action basically? Yeah, yeah. I would like to find a planet that could sustain it for longer than one meal. Um, and so the way that I would like to try and figure that information out is by looking at this information that um, that um, 
the ambassador has just um, shuttled back to me and try to understand like what the extinction rate was, was to figure out like how much is this thing going to eat? And so okay. um, I don't know if that can be done now or- if Yes, can we can do that right it. now. Um, why don't we do this? Cause the next role is Bonnie's role to basically cut the planet open. Great. So in, in the meantime, um, in the means that's going to be the culmination of all the research and data gathering and probe launching and uh, hunting for another planet. Um, <clears throat> so in this particular time period, now that that data is being processed, you can definitely comb through that data. Um, cool. So data is being sent up to you from the planet. Um, Dr. Yada basically bows out of this, um, actually shows remarkable lack of interest <laughs> and just says, hmm, well, good luck with this. Lieutenant LeCat, I hope you enjoy digging through the bones of this species. They seem interesting and friendly enough, but my eyes are always directed towards the stars. Let me know if you need any help navigating those. I, you're, you're not doing this because I put the whole world on fire speech, are you? No, why would I do that? I love your dark humor. Huh, okay. Well, more for me. Anyway. That being said, I never want to speak to you again. <laughs> You're catching on. I love Thank it. You. I never want to speak to you again either. Excellent. Goodbye. Forever. 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 Yada out. <laughs> Cat out. <laughs> um, it's yeah, so sweet. There you go. <laughs> what was that, Gina? It's so sweet. <laughs> I never want to um, speak to either of you. Uh, <laughs> Um, okay, yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's, uh, do you need me to roll something, Eric? Yeah, so you're basically, um, what I, so you've got a bunch of information in front of you. This could be useful for xenobiology. This could be useful. Like, are you focusing? So you've got a couple of questions that the captain wants yeah. to know. The captain yeah. wants to know how the hell the Tholians knew this thing was out here. The captain wants to know how the hell long this thing has been here. And the captain wants to know how the hell the Tholians got here without being spotted in the first fucking place. There's also the question as to how long the life on that side of the planet has been dead and yeah. what the correlation is between. Those were the big ones. There was one more though, wasn't there, Sam? Well, yeah. I am also, uh, there might be an additional one. I've just been chewing on uh, the internal temperatures of this planet mm -hmm. because uh, <clears throat> the crystalline entity is currently uh, it was it was parked at about 16 miles under the surface in a okay. planet that has a radius of roughly 40,000 what kilometers? Um, yeah. let's see. Uh, no miles, because um, it was roughly the size of Saturn, mm -hmm. uh, give or take. Right. Uh, I understand. Miles. So just a little bit under that surface, but the farther you go into into a planet, the more it heats up. And yes. here's the really funny thing. Right around 16, 20, 25 miles, depending on the composition of the rock in question, mm -hmm. you'll hit roughly the ideal temperature of a tholium. Hmm. It's just <clears> this <throat> really weird thing that's just been sitting with me. Hmm. Yeah. Right hmm. where the crystalline entity is parked right now. It is like interesting. That, 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 sweet, that sweet spot range. Mm -hmm. It's just really, I mean, we call it a forbidden zone. Um, but, you know, uh, I'm sure the Tholians might call it a nice suntan. So how did the Tholians know about this? How did the Tholians get out here? How long has the entity been here? Those are the three most pertinent questions. Yeah. Which one would you like to attack? I think that I, with the information that I have, I would be best at um, how long has this thing been here? Okay. 
Um, what specialties do you, what focuses do you have that might help you with that? Okay, well, uh, xenobiology is definitely one. Yes. Um, I have uh, anthropology, survival, sensors. Okay, so you got focuses that apply for this for sure. Yes. So then I would, I would ask for you to make a reason science check and right. the USS Ross will be able to help you with this. Uh, how much momentum do we have right now, folks? I think we've got three. Three. Three? three? Great. Three. Awesome. So um, who would like to roll for the Ross? Okay, so the Ross I... is going to roll computer science, and the difficulty for this roll is going to be four. Great. Mm -hmm. I'm going to spend a momentum then to get an extra dice. Okay. Yeah. Um, awesome. Four successes for me, friend. One from the Ross. All right, gain of momentum. Um, LeCat, your eyes darting across the data as it all starts to flow up onto the screen. You slide some of the data across and put it up into a hollow display to your left, to your right. You bring up data in front of you. You start scanning through all of this, looking for some clues to how long this thing has been here, looking at the archaeological record of this planet, the extinction cycles of this planet. And sure enough, you do see that this particular part of the hemisphere has gone through accelerated extinction cycles over a course of the past two million years. Now, it seems to have picked up speed in the last 500,000 years, mm -hmm. but the tectonic activity developed rather suddenly. Um, judging from, scan, from the scans that you have, being the fact that the Ross has actually scanned the tectonic plate action that is near where this, uh, this entity is underneath, you can estimate that the activity started under the surface of when this creature started coming to existence. You can estimate that it's happened in the past 500 to 600,000 years. Okay. Um, so with that information, I'm definitely gonna relay that to everyone as well. Um, and, and I'm sorry, so the last extinction cycle happened in that 5,000 to 6,000 last extinction cycle was actually about a million years ago and the plant life and organic life around that area has yeah. been has been sporadic ever since but when about five to six hundred thousand years ago it began to vanish at a rapid rate and then it was gone then it started to come back again and then it was gone suddenly and there's nothing in the fossil record to indicate that there was any kind of weather phenomenon that led to it there's no indication of like comet impact or anything else like that it seemed like it was it literally looks from the fossil record itself it's one of the great scientific mysteries of this planet up until now that this planet literally just seems to breathe life and then die then breathe and die right so coincide with the evidence that suggests that this creature probably became active about five hundred thousand years ago yeah so that okay <clears throat> wonderful um so with that in mind, uh, so I want to go ahead and share that information with my captain as well as my commanding officers. Okay, we'll say um, so that, that took you about. We'll say that took you roughly an hour to to, to comb that oh. out. Okay, so um, with that in mind, um, can I? Do I have time to figure out any of the other questions as well? Sure. Because yeah, because of your out... crazy roles. Yeah. Yay! Wonderful. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would like to. Uh, Basically, I want to figure out when when this thing gives birth. Um, I want to figure out like what we what else is to expect. Like basically, we're going to be cutting the planet open. So I want to try and like create a um, <clears throat> like like a plan. Like ex 
anything that's going to be coming out of this planet, right. like any gases or like. <laughs> so here's what I can give um, you, because this yeah. is actually quite easy. That evidence is right in front of you yeah. because you've done a surface scan of the planet. If something right. emerges from the planet from 16 miles below the surface under the crust, it is going yeah. to cause a major earthquake off the Richter scale kind of earthquake in that vicinity of the planet. The effects okay. will be felt near the Jashian capital on the other side of the planet, but it's not going to be, it's going to be minor. Um, okay. But um, you don't see anything, it, it will not be a planet-wide catastrophe. It'll just be a major event. Um, okay. It's not going to affect any ecosystems, obviously, because everything's dead on that side of the planet. Essentially, you anticipate there being, um, you can you can definitely tell that there's going to be an upwelling of, of, of mantle coming out of the uh okay. out of the crust of it but there's nothing to indicate that it's going to uh directly affect maybe some weather patterns for the next few months but it's not going okay. to be that big of a deal when this thing emerges after that who the hell knows the crystalline entity is a total mystery the federation was only just starting to figure things out when it was killed it's difficult yeah. to say what happens after it leaves but right now what you know is that it's probably going to go for the nearest source of organic life to feed itself after being born Right, so make sure we take care of that. Um, <clears throat> I think that's all I can gain from this information that I have right now. For that, yeah. Did you want to ask, uh, did you want to try to make a pull for any of those questions? What's up, Xander? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask, because this just led me down a course of thinking. Yeah. Um, is there any evidence to suggest maybe this isn't what we're thinking of like an egg, but maybe like a portal? Like maybe this is coming through somewhere else, and this just happens to be sort of the exit. And it, it's like a food source type of thing and to explain the sort of travel too. If maybe Wait, this so you're saying that like instead of it like actually being under the surface, it's coming in through somewhere else and like maybe it's slowly coming in. I mean, can I detect an actual crystalline thing down there? Have what is in the core actual actual core is this I mean there's like the notion of seed crystals as a thing. Is that what's yeah. going on and every so often producing crystalline entities or mm -hmm. in a, a planet this freaking large, is there yeah. a phenomenon inside of the planet? Yeah. Um, one that could conceivably have this kind of subspace form. ramifications or anything. Got it. Because it's the subspace um, connection that I'm hooked on. Right, and that is one of the few things that could conceivably move fast enough that you would have any kind of transgalactic signaling that would be meaningful short of like a uh, quantum entanglement right. phenomenon. Like, unless that, you have an ansible or something. It might also explain why there were trace uh, chroniton particles if any sort of effect like that was happening. Hmm. Uh, right. lots, lots of question of what go on in the inside of yeah. this planet. Can anyway, I do another right scan of the inside of this planet? Yes, um, that's going to be your reason science check. Um, I'm going to spend two threat to raise the complication range by two. And Can I spend a momentum? Sure. The difficulty is only going to be two. Yes. Okay. Well, then might as well gain some. We're down to one. The Ross is going to roll computer. Actually, the Ross is going to roll sensors plus science. Got it. Tell me what you okay. Got. Remember, if you roll an 18 or better, you've got a complication. Great thing I rolled a 17, huh? Yeah, it's a good thing you rolled a 17. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Nothing from the Ross. Nothing from the Ross. Three successes? Yeah. Okay. Um, 
The temperatures you're detecting at the center of the planet are pretty consistent with a planet that is traditionally... This planet is much hotter than Earth. Um, this planet actually bears some similar... Uh, similar core readings to Cardassia Prime, actually, which is pretty typical for planets that get pretty warm. It's not just the weather pattern. It's the planet itself just seems to have a lot of thermal vents uh, located throughout the, the entire structure of the crust itself. Um, after the Ross does a pretty deep scan to find out what's going on at the center of the planet, you actually don't detect anything particularly out of the ordinary. The only thing that you're getting um, is just on your particular side of the planet where the Ross is currently stationed, you're able to detect the presence of this crystalline life form, which is becoming more and more, and more obvious at this point yeah. as you've gathered all this data. Okay. So I'm seeing this crystalline life form exist in this space, and I... I mean... You're there yeah, is one more piece of information. Um, yeah, go. The, the, the temperatures are not all that unusual. What's really fascinating is when you scan this planet, the crystal work uh, that this planet has all over the surface, um, you actually see like a vein-like structure coursing through the entirety of the planet itself. Like there are highways of these crystals coursing through the entire mantle. Um, some of them look like they've shattered and reformed, mostly because the mantle is constantly shifting. Um, but for the most part, there's this incredible, like, it just looks like a lattice of, of crystal structure all throughout the course of the planet. If you were to isolate it in a graphic and pull it up in front of you, it would literally look like the interior, like if the planet had a skeleton, it would look like that. Like just, a reverse oh, root system? Oh, for yeah. something to pull organic life in? Look new. What's that? Like, um, is is it like a reverse root system so that these things have grown out from like a central um, core? Or it's it's difficult to tell actually. Okay. Even with this scan, it's hard to see if they originated from the core or if they've just grown here over pressure and time. But mm -hmm. um, given that um, it looks like a vein network that courses throughout the I mean, planet, can I do like a like hmm. an can I can I check how old they are? Because obviously, like younger will be like farther away from the core. While like you know, if it's closer to the core, they'll be older. Um, yeah, you can scan the deposits for their age. I'll, I'll just I would say that's an inf obtain information spend. Uh, yeah, let's do it. So burn burn a momentum. Actually, do you have a trait that gives you this? Um, Is it studious or what was it that gives you? Oh, but that's if you if you burn to obtain information, and get one free ask. Never mind. So you go ahead and spend I your don't momentum. Have studious. What, is that what that does? I, you know, I have, I have cautious, I have duty and discipline, and I have suspicious by nature. And right, right, right. <clears throat> okay, so go ahead and spend your momentum to get the, the obtained yeah. information. Um, the network of crystal structures is millions and millions of years old, maybe hundreds of millions of years old. Okay. Um, your suspicion, judging from like looking at the geological record, is that they've probably formed um, long before any sentient life was walking the planet cool cool um but it does it basically i'm looking for growth patterns right so mm -hmm. does it look like it's yeah does it look like it's growing out from from a certain spot or how how does this thing grow and continue it's, to like develop? there's not enough there's not enough evidence to suggest if it originated from a spot but i will say that if okay. you took the planet and cut it in half you would look at it like uh, like an apple split in half looking at it it does resemble like the core grew all of these crystals outward 
Great. Or perhaps they grew inward. But if you were to cut it in half, it does it does give that appearance. Um, I want to make sure McCrell is getting all this information as well, because uh, okay. she's about to extract this baby. Um, so, uh, look Captain McCrell. <clears throat> uh, yes, look at. Hi, um, I have some uh, pictures to share with you. Um, oh, I love and I want to send basically like my mock-ups and as well as like what my scans have uh, have, have uh, deduced so far. Okay. Ex this will be very helpful. Thank you very much, Lucat. What do you want to do with that? Is that all? <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to what do, what do you want to do with that? If anything. For me, I'm going to um all the information that she's sending over, I'm going to keep plugging it into the hologram simulator. That way I have even more details about uh, the Earth's crust, the formation of the growth crystals. Okay. Uh, little uh, little things like that basically making uh, the hologram as precise as possible so i can get every detail um the more details we have in the hologram while i'm cutting the planet's crust the the better chance we have of extracting the baby safely and also um not you know causing destruction on the planet <laughs> cool, cool um is what i'm doing i'm going to ask for you to make a die roll here. Um, there is a piece of information that's sitting right in front of McCrell right now. Oh no. Um, so I'm gonna say make an insight medicine check. Okay. And I'm gonna set the difficulty at five. Okay, I would like to, uh, because this seems very important, <laughs> I would like to burn a determination and I okay. believe this one would come into account. Uh, two might come into account. Uh, I have one that says no amount of studying can replace hands-on experience, which I feel is very much, I cannot study for this. I feel like this is something you can't study in school. Also, uh, everyone and everything is worthy of care and kindness. Do any of those apply to this? The first one does. Okay, so I'm gonna burn that determination and get that done. Is there any way any of us can assist with this? No, not on this what? one. Yep. Dang it! What am I? My, my ghost. My ghost can't advise. Not advise, no, but this is, literally encourage. This is literally a moment of intuition that was going to go right past McCrell if she doesn't make this roll. I am going to no spin problem. that momentum to get an extra die. Thank you very much. Okay. Insight yeah. medicine. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Insight and medicine. Okay, and I will. Your focuses will apply. You have anthropology, right? Or I'm sorry. Uh, I have xenobiology, uh, emergency medicine, botany. <laughs> uh, what else do you have? Xenobiology. Uh, I have infectious diseases, psychology, uh, martial arts, and no. Actually, you don't have. You don't. Xenobiology doesn't work. Okay. None of your focuses will apply to this. Okay. That's okay. I have uh, one, two, three, four, five successes. Whoo! With the determination spend. Yes. Um, okay. You look at this information, <laughs> McCrell, you glance up um, this uh, slightly stressed out, rather tiny Cation doctor looking up at the screen, and you just, there's nothing particularly remarkable about this. It is beautiful to see the latticework mm -hmm. of like these crystals glancing out, and you kind of um, move back to the holographic displays. You're like, oh, this will come in handy. You move the data in front of you. and. You begin to get back to work. You reach over, reset reset the simulation, begin to apply some of the new information. Um, you're waiting for it to load. 
you slip your finger into uh, get into it a better position. One of your claws kind of like getting in the way of one of the sensors. So you just kind of move it out of the way and you start slowing down the process of putting this, of rearranging this glove because something's bugging the shit out of you. There's something about that image that kind of clicks for a second, but it's one of those moments where you're just kind of like fixing it on. You're like, and you turn McCrell and you glance back up at that computer screen. And as you're staring at that image, you cannot understand what it is, but there's something about it that is familiar to you. Like maybe you saw this somewhere in a textbook or you read about it or something from your academy days. You're not sure, but as you're sitting there trying to figure it out with five successes, <laughs> um, it slowly starts to come to you a radical idea. Um, you lean in a little bit closer and you realize something about this reminds you of, there is a, an insect that grows on your home world. Cations like to call them neoliops, but they're, essentially, they're essentially butterflies. And they're sort of like, a, 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 like the cation version of butterflies. And neoliops look more like, um, they, they look they look a little bit more like dragonflies than anything else and mm -hmm. they have a different wing structure but they still have sort of that same beautiful beetle-like gloss across their wings that kind of illuminates <clears throat> but what really stands out to you is when they cocoon and hibernate their cocoons they typically bury themselves inside of sand or any kind of, they, they're not these type of caterpillars they have on earth where they hang from trees or branches or anything like that. They usually bury themselves inside of sand. And when they're buried in sand, they draw their nutrients from the salt in the sand. And it usually causes the interesting lattice work to develop over time. Yes. And it strikes you for a second, McCrell, that something about the way this planet looks and the relationship on the creation of this creature, it's entirely possible that the entire planet of Jadaran might actually be a cocoon for a blossoming crystalline entity. Indeed, it might be entirely possible that the planet itself is formed from the body of an old crystalline entity. That's both terrifying and beautiful. Let me relay that to the captain <laughs> and the science team. Uh, Dr. McCre I'm just going to open a channel to everyone. <laughs> it's a you party. tap on the communicator. Um, <clears throat> exposition dump. Okay. Uh, crew of the USS Ross, we <laughs> have a cocoon. <laughs> oh, I will not explain more. Goodbye. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> I do believe that. Uh, the crystalline entity within the planet's core is uh, the planet is actually the protective cocoon of the child uh, we will sh look at if you could run a few mm -hmm. more tests to make yep. sure of us extracting the child will not in turn destroy the cocoon that would be great <laughs> Yeah, I definitely want to do that. Um, I feel like our crystal is more like a little deadly butterfly, and we should uh, make sure to handle it with extreme care. Absolutely, or if there's a way 
Okay, so yeah, I would like to roll for 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 that just to basically see uh, if there's any way to extract this baby from its cocoon without the cocoon collapsing, or even yeah. how it is essentially um, supporting the cocoon currently, um, or if it's uh, providing it with any sort of is like, it structural support. Planet. If it's yeah, like is somehow it, related like, to the planet core being a cocoon yeah. and if we extract the, the actual nutrient source. Exactly. I, I, I want to see how that dynamic works and, uh, and um, see uh, what okay. that relationship between those two so, is. This is what I'm going to say. If, yeah. if that's what you're attempting to do, you're basically going to have to build a model as right. to what, using the data at hand, you're going to have to build some kind of model that will I have one right here. <laughs> Taking taking the environmental data that you have, the data that McCrell mm-hmm. has given you um, back after you give gave her that data, it's you're basically going to have to take the next few hours to actually build an environmental model as to what the effects are going to be if this creature hatches or when it hatches, I should say. Okay, great. Um, so I would I normally can say help that, if you. I'm sorry. I said I can help if you'd like to build it with a hollowed emitter. That's yeah, actually, yeah, Exio could probably help you build that. I am at what they like to say. Um, I will tap into my hollow artist. Dot exe. Is that a thing? Yes, that is one of my focuses. Yes, Exio is a hollow artist. I really am passionate about hollow emitters and hollow programs. Let's do this. All right, work is Um. So, because okay. I don't want to put you guys through another extended task, I'm just going okay. to make this a straight roll. Great. And what we'll do is we'll do an assist. I'll use the Ross as well. Um, I'm going to probably, no, I'm not going to spend any threat here. I'm going to wait. Um, so I'm going to need you to, all right, with Exio's help. Mm-hmm. So the Ross is going to be rolling computers plus engineering. Um, and Exio, I think it would be appropriate for you to roll. Hmm. Maybe I think maybe insight engineering for you, Exio. Can do. And then for Lacat, I think it's going to be. Honestly, I think it's going to be a reason science for you. Yeah, yeah I, think I think it's going to be uh, your your bread and butter. Focus? What's that? Can I use my xenobiology focus? Mm. I'm built. I'm building a structure that is basically a cocoon. So, like, I need to understand what cocoons look like. Yeah, I mean, you can use that, but this is more of an environmental studies kind of thing. So much more than it is like studying the actual biological survival you know I mean? of different environments. <laughs> I I applaud. What, what else do you have? You have survival. You have xenobiology. I have survival sensor, xenobiology, astrophysics, anthropology, anthropology, um, deep space tactics. I don't really think any of those would apply here. Fair. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what's the right. difficulty on this base? Uh, I'm going to set the difficulty at four. Great. FYI, we are out of momentum, so oh. roll low. Great. <laughs> All right. So go ahead and make your roll. Um, the Ross, who wants to roll for Ross? You're going to roll with Xander? Okay, cool. Okay, let's do this. All right, show me what you got. Um. Okay. Uh... Okay, okay. Um, 
It is. Well, I got two successes. Okay. Oh! I also help. Bing! <gasps> That's four. You nailed it. Yay! Oh, damn. With no momentum. Nicely done. <laughs> All right. So, um, four successes using the help of. First of all, you're getting an appreciation for Exio's artistry. You've yeah. heard that the thing is, is crafting holograms is more than just taking a palette and making a human being. There's little subtleties like how often they blink. Does the corner of their mouth twitch when they do certain things? This is just an example of like artistry that goes into creating holograms. There's yeah. so much more subtlety to it to actually yeah. bring something to life. With that sort of expertise, Exio actually helps you construct a timeline built on the data you guys have put together. I'm going to say it takes about two hours to build this model, taking all of the environmental and anthropological data that you've collected, sensor data. You guys, in the next two hours, essentially assemble a model that is the most accurate representation of the history of this planet that has ever been constructed using the technology of the USS Ross to do it. And the minds of Starfleet's first commanding officer, Hologram, and first Cardassian science officer. Um, <laughs> It takes about two and a half hours, and we're going to go ahead and jump to Captain Azari Sull, planet side, looking at a tricorder. You're seeing this data come up as they're actually revealing to you all the information that they've uncovered in the past two hours, which includes the age that you were looking for and a, a, a highly likely theory as to the nature of the planet's origin its function with this crystalline entity and a probability of what is going to happen when it hatches. What it's going to happen when this creature hatches, there is a 75% probability that it is going to change the entire makeup of the planet once this creature breaks free. It is going, this planet might actually, there, there, you, you suspect there is going to be a drastic temperature change in the planet for a while, but that the temperatures won't change too dramatically. What's really going to change is you're projecting over the course of the next five to eight hundred years the entire surface of the planet is going to look completely different um there is a high probability that there is going to be a surge of organic life all over this planet all the nutrients in the soil based around these crystals this could become one of the bio a biological oasis once this is done veritable planetary Bread basket. I would like to feel pride uh, for my crew as a standard action. Thank you. <laughs> All right, you take one standard action. Um, I'm going to say difficulty zero. You immediately feel pride for your crew. Yep. There we go. Good. <laughs> Who wants to roll for Ross? <laughs> All right. So, um... <laughs> All right. We're going to uh, go ahead and jump ahead unless there's anything else. What has the defense minister been up to since I'm mostly just coordinating things and she left for a while and a uh, while. I was yes. warned. Yes, a and while. I'm nosy. She has not returned. I'm professionally nosy. She she is not she has not returned to the situation room or the command center. Hmm. She has been to find out where she is. How would you like to do that? Hmm. It's you and Ambassador Majanil on the planet right now. How mm -hmm. would you like to figure out where the defense minister of this planet has disappeared to? Mm. <laughs> Illicitly. Do you want to indulge in a few old bad habits? Or, I no, guess, good I was ordered by Starfleet, so I don't think the habits were so terribly bad at the time. 
Mm. No, I imagine that uh, I should need to take a constitutional, shouldn't I? I've, I've been cooped up of course, quite a I... while, and uh, long legs need a stretch. So I should tell you, Captain, that um, just as a quick reminder, mm-hmm. um, your presence here is meant to be kept secret. So that's going to be a complication if you're going to try to get out of here to go for a stretch, as they say. So just, just throwing that out there so you can plan accordingly. I will hold down the fort, I guess, is the proper way of saying things, and you will keep out of sight, I hope. Well, I am so inconspicuous. And then all six foot five green of me stand up. They Hulk walks out of the room. Um. (laughs) Eric Campbell! (laughs) So, um, who is... Who is going to, who is going, so, okay, so Saul, you're going to have to do this, you're going to have to do this pretty subtly, I think, right? You're gonna, are you just going to try to like slip out while no one's looking kind of thing? Uh, unless they keep their bathrooms in the situation room, which, you know, <laughs> cultural differences. Okay, so if you're going to go to the bathrooms, you're going to be assigned a guard. Um, okay. So two guards follow you to the nearest bathroom. Um, they're they're military, I assume. Yeah. The nameless serve the defense minister. They have uh, communications devices on them. Yes. Yeah. Sol's going to be uh, in there for a moment, long enough to. Uh, use their tricorder and comm badge as mm-hmm. a locational ping. They're going to be in touch with the defense minister via their comms, and I can pinpoint her that way from the bathroom. It's, it is worth noting that with the tricorder on your persons, you have dramatically more advanced technology to like listen in on shit. So I then know. I would say, oh man, I've been waiting for this moment for so long, Azri. All right, it's time to go some to espionage. I... I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, I'm, man. Just, I'm just sitting here in the bathroom. Getting with some dried I'm getting some dried-in some... vibes right now. <laughs> I need you to make a control security check. Mm-hmm. And the difficulty mm-hmm. with the tricorder, mm-hmm. and not to be mean to the Jashashians, but you're breaking into inferior technology, the difficulty is going to be one. I mean, we don't have to. Yeah, it would be two. It would be two. See, you you alerted security. I knew <laughs> you rolled yet. Um, so um, the difficulty would normally be three. I'm reducing it down to. Uh, I'm, oh, I'm sorry. The difficulty. Make it the difficulty two. The difficulty would be three, but we're reducing it to one because you've got the asset at the tricorder. So go ahead and make your check. Tell All me right, what to get. Do you have any focus uh, to apply? Clandestine skills. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yup. You know. Uh, so because we exactly made the last check and were square on momentum last time, we still do not have any. I will roll with it. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll get you back now. <laughs> so four successes? Uh, no, because it was a difficult, you had said uh, two down to one. Oh, no, you I'm said sorry. I was rolling at a difficulty one. I'm sorry, I adjusted that. It's three down to two, sorry. Okay. It All was right. three, the tricorder gave you said down three to down to one at some point. Uh, I was rolling with it, ha. Huh? Uh, nonetheless, one momentum. One momentum. And, uh, and, and uh, 
yeah, a, a mildly tapped communication, a gently tapped, just like, you know, a... It's... Their 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 countermeasures that they have in place for their secure transmission just is not equipped to deal with twenty fourth century Starfleet technology. <laughs> Look, just... we don't need to make them feel bad about it. This is what I do did. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um. So coming across the communications, you're just tapping some buttons into your tricorder. You look back at the door to make sure that no one's coming in. Um. There's a, there's a moment of nostalgia that it floods over you. You're having a memory um, of what it was like uh, being uh, in a, a dark space surrounded by metal plates, this ship's hull, the hum of this transport that was delivering slaves to one of the Orion Syndicate's biggest buyers. Um, sitting there tapping across your communications device that you had f snuck in, um, dressed in barely anything as you're just kind of tapping through this and going, because uh, going undercover at Orion, like a lot, of the, a lot of the syndicate members just kind of looked the other way. And as you kind of go across the data pad, you're remembering that intense satisfaction of seeing the two Federation steamrunner class vessels that are on an intercept course with your ship. Um, you remember distinctly the satisfaction of moving to the cargo hold, um, using the code that you managed to crack to open up the cargo and distribute disruptor rifles to two of the members who had been captured by uh, intended for slavery, who actually knew how to use these weapons. But more impressively, Azri, you remember the intense satisfaction of taking over the freighter as the steamrunner class vessels arrived without killing a single soul. Um, it was the moment that gave you your accommodation after being extracted from your work, bringing down the Orion crime syndicate at the end of the Dominion War. Um, you a small smile across your face as you're remembering that day, the bastard captain who was cussing and swearing your name, swearing vengeance, who had no idea the syndicate was going to fall into infighting and eat itself alive in the next six months. Um, you tap a few more buttons across that tricorder and immediately you hear communication start coming through. A lot of them are kind of scattered. Um, it takes a few moments of refining the signal, but eventually you begin to hear um, what sounds like uh, data packets being shipped uh, across the, you know, the information waves, which comes off kind of like a screeching static noise. And like, eventually you manage to make your way through that to voices and hearing communications. Um, one of them sounds distinctly like the defense minister who has a communications device on her. Tapping into that, you basically turn on her cell phone and start listening. Um, and you're hearing conversations. Not all of them are easy to make out. Um, but you do catch some key words. And because of your success on that role, Azari, you are going to be given a bit of a head start because you're sitting there listening and you hear the minister, the, the defense minister saying a few words muffled, but you catch the key phrases, make sure they're armed, some muffled sounds, 
If you must, blow them out of the sky as well. Some more muffled sounds. And then you hear, no, commence with the launch immediately. We can't wait anymore. Happens old Paul. You contact Prawl? Yeah. Uh, We're going to need to jam a signal to launch immediately. Okay. You hear, uh, this is Commander Prawl. Captain, go ahead. I have some information that they might, that people on the planet might be commencing a launch orbital, possibly immediately. I need any signal of that kind found and scrambled countermeasures hot. Uh, right away, Captain. One moment. Um, chirping through your combadge, um, you hear Prawl immediately, Lakat say, Lakat, I need you on the bridge right away. I'll be right there when my mute button works. <laughs> Commander I'm going to make my way back to the ambassador yeah, immediately. Okay, you... I, I wash my hands. Step. Okay, so you quick steps as you storm back. The guards at your flank are starting to walk a little closer to you, Azri, and you're beginning to sort of, your instinct is starting to kick in. Um, you're beginning to feel the, that, you're beginning to feel a little bit like what it must have felt like in those old Earth movies where the cowboy was walking down the street and the clock was about to strike high noon. <laughs> um, it's kind of that same sensation where you like you feel like shit's about to go down. Um, Azri, you start approaching um, the office. About that time on the Ross, the turbo door lifts open and uh, you step onto the bridge, Lacat. Um, Commander Axio, you've been informed of what's going on. At that point, um, the clock is ticking down. You hear, as soon as you would take your station, uh, Lacat, um, the moment you swivel into place and the sensor light up goes, you see that the planet's surface is actually in the beginning stages of the crack. In other words, this is this is the moment where you guys are quickly approaching the moment where you're going to need to make the incision. Great. And at about that point, um, you hear Prawl go, uh, Commander, with your permission, uh, Lakat, I need a scan immediately of any surface satellites as well uh, as any... Permission. Absolutely. Um, reason science? Yeah, it's reason science. Who wants to roll for the Ross? I'll go. Um, can I assist with, or are you assisting each other, or is an assist necessary? I can assist with an advisory command roll. What's the difficulty? You can assist with an advisory command if you want to. Basically, uh, you can reroll if you need to. We need momentum, so that would be great. The difficulty would be two, because Azri was able to detect this. Captain Soul spotting this before I dropped it on you guys. <laughs> and um, I can use my sensor's focus, right? Yes, absolutely. Great, that's four successes. And for the Ross, it's sensor science. Uh huh. This is a difficulty two roll, by the way. Nothing from the Ross. But we okay. have two momentum from Lacat, so. Woo. So we're at three total. Uh, Commander Prawl pulling up sensor data right now. Commander Prawl sees it at about the same time your sensor station registers it, uh, Lacat, but. There are multiple warheads being armed on two of the orbital satellites that are now being moved into position near the USS Ross and the location of the crystalline entity that is in the process of coming to life. But the alarming part is what the sensors detect. Um, 
the sensors light up. It, 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 the moment you see the name register across what the, center, the energy readings are registering across your sensors, it clicks and it makes sense. This is a species that specializes in manipulations of subspace energies. They have the ability to predict when particle fountains appear. They have the ability to understand subspace in ways that the Federation doesn't quite understand just yet. And so while it should go against better reason that they should have this kind of technology, there's no doubt the sensors are detecting what look like isolytic warheads of low yield isolytic warheads inside of these satellites, which essentially translates to a subspace weapon, which are banned by the Federation and other quadrant species for being monstrously devastating to subspace and the space around it. In other words, these weapons, even though this is a culture that is dramatically inferior to you guys, these weapons could destroy all of you. And, and it'll look at 930. Everything yeah, and, and, it too. Yeah, under yeah. her breath, uh, like I think maybe Ren's the only one who hears that you just hear Jane go, and this is what you get for being respectful. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, we are going to have to pause there. Yeah, that is going to be have to that is going to have to be where we pause. You know, I got to I got to be honest with you guys. I threw some opportunities for some roles at y'all tonight and you nailed it. Um, and honestly, there's some information you guys would not have gotten if you hadn't made those checks. So I tip my hat to you, Bonnie, for that five success land for that four success land when you were guys were scanning for the planet to uncover the nature of the planet itself and Azari. Everybody did brilliant tonight. Good role-playing, Aki. Like, you guys all just smashed it tonight. Ross smashed. And, and way to scare us all, Gina, yeah. with, your, with your ghostly <laughs> motivation. All right. You're welcome. So. You worked harder and faster. I did my job. Yeah. Ghost <laughs> ride the Ross. So, great episode. Um, I'm going to award you guys um, some advancements. Um, I'll get to that, not tonight, obviously, because we're wrapping up here, but um, I'm going to throw some advances your way, so we'll talk about that either tomorrow or the next day. Um, oh, I got to get the baby out of here. Yeah, you guys have been doing pretty, man. Yeah, eventually uh, we're going to get that baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah the so next episode. Time. Next episode will be, uh, not this this coming Monday, but the Monday after, will be part three of Food of the Gods, and we'll... From the looks of it, will probably be the final arc of the story from the trajectory you guys are on right now. So we will see what happens at the end of this chapter. Um, don't tempt us. We can RPG for hours. It's true. <laughs> yeah, if I don't get an entire episode where I just get to do diplomatic shenanigans with the Jashashians, I'll be upset. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that'll do it for us. We'll see you guys in not this Monday, but the Monday after. So until then, check in with our individual streams. Say hi. Um, we will see you until next time. Yeah. Thank you so much, everybody. Hailing frequencies are now closed. <laughs>